0: What is going on? You got Chris Thomas. Got Jamal Thomas. And you're listening to the Running Back Radio Show. You're listening to us on 98.5 WJYN every Tuesday from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. If you want to call or join in the discussion, the number is simple. Dial 215-763-9596. And listen, where we last week we did episode 100, we were doing episode 101. Man. I can just keep doing this, man. But, listen, we have a pretty good slate of content today. Most uh, NBA-heavy, we're going to review All-Star Weekend, the expectations of a, a team that has harder than a beat on it. Um, Zion, the Zion Williamson situation in New Orleans. Also talking about Brian Flores going to Pittsburgh. Uh, the 2022 quarter off season quarterback carousel and WrestleMania season. It is less than 6 weeks away. So, let's well,
1: I want to talk about uh Mr. Man Bunner himself um I see Aaron Rodgers
0: Ah, well, of Yeah, because 150,000 people uh tuned into the Pat McAfee show today. For a whole lot of nothing. It was pretty much a false alarm. Nothing happened. There was no updates or decisions being made about Aaron Rodgers' future. Not only just in Green Bay, but just in the NFL in general.
1: No, one hundred percent. I uh honestly I, I feel like he's the biggest domino to fall because if he either retires or decides that he doesn't want to be in Green Bay, then I think he becomes the guy at the top of the list. You know, and then it kind of trickles down to Russ and then obviously Watson, depending on how his situation goes. And then you can start speculating about any other quarterback besides that, obviously, including the rookie slate, which we all know is a bit underwhelming for this year, but I digress. But um do you see A Rod truly retiring?
0: Honestly, Um I can. Solely because. Yeah. Because when compared to a guy, because obviously uh, they're the elder statesmen of the league, when I look at a guy like Tom Brady and compare it to Aaron Rodgers, here's the thing. There, all, there was no question in my mind about how much Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I mean Tom Brady, like eat, sleeps, breathe football. I mean, the guy even still then has still doubts about whether or not if this retirement of sorts still has any sort of validity towards it. So there's no question in my mind in regards to – Brady's love of the game, and then when I compare and contrast to Aaron Rodgers, the off season that he's had, you know, going on, um, you know, this uh, magnificent, you know, like adventure, this mountain walking, you know, with his uh, now his, uh, ex-fiance now, you know, him hosting Jeopardy. It kind of feels like, okay, if I don't win, if I don't come back, so be it. I got plenty of more options and other stuff I could possibly do. To me, it kind of feels like football has now become – just a job towards him as opposed to like something that is supposed to be a career for pretty much most, if not like all, all constituents of the NFL.
1: I think a guy who used being drafted 20 spots. I mean, obviously clearly now 20 spots later than he had any business being. I don't think he just let certain things go. Now as being a San Francisco kid, a 49ers fan growing up, he's never beaten them in the playoffs. Never beaten him any game, big games when it mattered. And there's one Super Bowl ring over a decade ago. Now, if he really has his eyes towards Hollywood, I think if he wants to control his narrative, he's the type of guy he'd rather take one more year at a different location than to keep coming back for Green Bay's whatever cursed situation where you can win 13 games a year, but can't even, you know, get out of the divisional round in your own home stadium. So I think I could see him. I can see Elway talking him into Denver. Honestly. Really? If we're going straight for the jugular prediction, yeah. I've been thinking about this for a while now. He saw what it did for Peyton Manning. You know, he saw what it did also for, you know, having anything that Peyton wanted at his behest. Anything he needed, anybody he wanted, John was great, and John was awesome about going to get it for him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think that would be my prediction. I think they already have a great court set. I'm sorry, not court set. A great trio of receivers with Sutton, uh, Jerry, Judy, and Hamler. And then you could I mean, you could have called the court set because I think Tim Patrick is going to be a great guy. Oh yeah, I like, I like I like
0: Tim be, Patrick a lot.
1: Exactly. Noah fans going to be a top ten tight end this year. I can see that for him. And if he if he wasn't already for a lot of people last year, and that defense is a piece or two away. You get somebody to go to that opposite side to replace Von Miller, and you don't obviously need to be at production level peak Von Miller. But if you get a guy who gives you eight and a half, nine sacks in that era area, and Chubb's going to give you a solid eleven to twelve, you got a nice defense there. You got P- ps two on the outside, like you got Justin Simmons up the middle, and free safety is one of my favorite free safeties in the league. I think that's the most attractive destination for someone like A Rod. If you are you're you're close enough to the West Coast where you can travel. I don't want to speculate about uh, Aaron Rodgers' personal life. I would just say maybe he enjoyed Colorado a bit more than other players. Um, you know, so I think that's an advantage. Obviously, him having those Hollywood ties is like he's almost like the Cena of the NFL at this point. Except Cena's never made like a really political stance. Like not want to call it political, but a but such a divisive stance on anything as he has on this um, vaccination thing. But I think his quintessential like quarterback lovers this is our guy status forever being a face was kind of funny because it was very reminiscent to Cena up until the backstay so for me like all of those factors in like I think if got Vegas and obviously Vegas like hey we're paying Car a lot of money he got us to the playoffs with everything that was going on with an interim coach with all the stuff with Gruden so I think now you have a situation where um if you really take the chance and Really, 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 really take the time to look at it. I just think Denver is the best landing spot for him. What do you think?
0: My only thing about Denver is it makes perfect sense if he doesn't come back to Green Bay. Uh, the wide receivers are there. You got Jerry Judy. You got Courtless Sutton, Tim Patrick, KJ Handler, No Fan at tight end. Uh, offensive line, you could still patch up in the offseason. You're still a piece or two on defense away. My only thing about the the major difference in terms of him going to Denver and him going to Green Bay is like we looked at the NFC side think about it Brady's gone uh Brady's gone Drew Brees is gone the NFC is 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 significantly weaker uh going forward as opposed to the AFC cuz remember if he does go to Denver he twice a year you got to face Patrick Mahomes twice a year you got to face Justin Herbert and twice a year Granted, really, what regardless of what people say about Derek Carr, the guy gets the job done regardless of any circumstances. Like there is no reason how that Raiders team, especially after the the season of like controversy and turmoil in regards to you know you know their players getting arrested, uh, and you know getting hauled out to jail, the Gruden controversy, and the fact that Derek Carr was still able to you know just keep chucking forward and get this team to the playoffs. Darren Waller missing. Uh, Several games, Josh Jacob missing games. So that's going to be, and not to mention, it's just a divisional game. Not to mention when you go outside of the division. You got Joe Burrow to deal with. You got Lamar Jackson, hopefully with a a healthy Ravens offense. Um, The Steelers are still going to be tough with that defense, regardless of uh, who the quarterback is. You got to deal with Josh Allen. You got to deal still with the, the evil empire. In uh, New England with uh, Bill Belichick, because remember he did get a quarterback named Max Jones, who was a rookie quarterback to the postseason. So my only thing is, is that just from like the eye test wise, him going to Denver makes sense because not to mention all everything I just said. He also has uh, you know his his former offensive coordinator now taking the job there, but just from the potential gauntlet that you have to go to the AFC, it's going to be a lot more daunting to probably get that done as opposed to what you have now in the NFC. But the only thing about the Packers in the NFC is that they have the second highest cap in the uh, the second worst cap situation behind New Orleans. So how much do you really have to, like, you know, penny pinch and, like, you know, get rid of in order to bring back Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams? Let's
1: call it spade to spade, right? Yeah. This roster's soft. A-Rod knows it. We know it. They know it. Clearly Sam Fran knew it. And anybody else I think who played them in the playoffs would have known it or played them in the playoffs in the last couple of years has known it. They're a soft team. And if A-Rod's not clicking on all cylinders, you can punch them in the mouth and they'll curl up in the ball. It's the truth. Yeah. And so I think my only thinking is if A-Rod really did want to leave and if he really did want to take the time, and go to a different team with a different ingrained culture in and of itself, I just think my my thinking would be that would be his reasoning for leaving. Because I do agree with you. On paper, it does make the most sense to go back to Green Bay if you're going to do anything but retire. But I'm just saying, like, sometimes that change of scenery, that change of culture in and of itself, like, if you were to get, you know, Aaron Rodgers' a little buzz from the Happy Juice, I think you could get him to admit he's envious of a Tom Brady who's had Belichick. He's he's, he's envious of these guys like Brad Shaw or whatever, who's had the Chuck Knowles and these, these great schemers, these great guys who can galvanize an entire team and then all he has to do is do his job. But he is the Green Bay Packers and has been for a long time. As we've seen with Mike McCarthy in, in, in Dallas, there's only but so much he can do even within an even more talented roster, you could argue, over the last couple of years than Green Bay has had in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So... It makes you think that if he's out there looking, he's out there looking for an infrastructure that believes in doing anything to win, getting its guys weapons. And the reason I think Denver can speak his language is quarterbacks speak to quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I think we all know this. Or quarterback guys even speak to quarterback guys. That's why Harbaugh can get through the guys. That's why Bruce Arians can get through the guys. That's why a John Elway. Okay. Now, we don't know what the – no, um, I'm trying to remember you. Their offensive coordinator in Green Bay is the quarterback, is the new head coach in Denver, right? Yes. Okay, so let's think of that right there. A guy who they just put up how many points this year? I think they almost led the league in scoring. Yeah. Um, he won MVP. Is now going, his play caller is now going to be the head coach in Denver. With John Elway, with the team that is known to spend cap and spend money, and they don't have a lot of money on the books, obviously getting rid of Von Miller, obviously getting out from under some other big contracts, and now being having a lot of young rookie talent on that team. I don't know, man. I think we're to there smoke this fire, and I think Denver's the spot. But okay. I think he thinks he can go there and have a Peyton Manning like resurgence and, and have another three to four years of prime over there.
0: Okay, um, that's actually a good point about you know the the whole mindset of Green Bay being a soft team and A Rod, you know, being their identity. So if you don't want soft, let me push you this. Okay, let's just say, say like you know Rodgers doesn't want to go to Denver. Okay, let me push let me push you on this question. Rodgers to, Rogers to the Steelers. We all know what their identity is. It's Smash Mouth football. You have a great defense already with guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, TJ Watt, and you already brought in Brian Flores, who is a defensive guru. So he, he's going to help not only make a really good Steelers team that much better, that more aggressive, and his voice you know, channels the locker room. And you talk about guys like Galvanizing. everybody, you said it on multiple occasions, you would literally run through a brick wall if Mike Tomlin is your coach. Yeah, no, yeah So you bring A-Rod in. Granted, the offensive line, they got five new starters. I think all of them are like rookies. Just continue just to build on that of continuity. You got Najee Harris going into his second year, pretty much doing what he can. Um, you know, granted, behind a really bad offensive line. And honestly, just a bad system. And I honestly, a lot of it also just has to do with, you know, your ineffectiveness at the quarterback position. Aaron Rodgers cleans that up right away just because he's coming off an of MVP year. So you got him. You got Deontay Johnson. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you get a guy like A-Rod, Juju smith going is going to resign. Uh, Chase Claypool. And, you know, you take your chances because uh, you have a physical football team to go against, you know, like tough teams in your division already. Uh, Miles Garrett and the Browns. Um, Lamar and the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, this match my style with John Harbaugh. And then the reigning AFC champions and, um, and the Bengals. So, like, I wouldn't count on Denver because optics-wise, it makes the most sense considering the moves that they've done so far and given the fact that they just haven't replaced that quarterback ever since Peyton Manning. I mean, Peyton Manning was still on his last leg, but it was just the aura of just Peyton Manning that you had that you just haven't really able to replicate in, you know, like veterans in the league like like Teddy Bridgewater and uh, Case Keenum or like young guys like Paston Lynch and uh, Drew Locke.
1: All right, so, okay. So, my only reservation for the Steelers, and to be honest, everything else you said is right, and to be honest, they're probably the best match, but I just think he wouldn't want to live in Pittsburgh. Other than that, I really can't really give you any better reason. Like, they have receivers um i would argue that the offense isn't as solidified for someone who but i, I also would think that because we know how good a rod is you know he elevates everything you know he'll make up for the mistakes on the line Najee harris will have more holes to run through you don't know so he'll throw Johnson open. he'll like you said throw smith shoes open you got fryer move um you know you got washington if he wants to stay like so you have some pieces and then you have a high draft pick this year so you could go get a Jameson williams a drink london you know, in, our, in Arlen, in Arlen Burks or someone like that. Um, but I just don't think, I think for A-Rod, I think from everything that has been, you know, because we can only go what's off-reported or what, what is out there. Mm-hmm. So what seems to be reported and what seems to be out there is if any make decisions is to be made, it's not just about winning. It's also about comfortability and him being close to the things he enjoys and him being somewhere that fits or is akin to his lifestyle. And I just feel like Pittsburgh is the opposite. It's like Green Bay, but further away from anything he likes. Yeah.
0: All right, that's fair.
1: That would be my only pushback, because other than that, Pittsburgh probably would have been my first team.
0: Yeah. All right, uh, last one. Uh, What about uh, Indianapolis, then?
1: Now, with Indianapolis, they run the risk of They run the risk of having situations where now you have see Well if you're gonna if you're gonna get rid of Wentz, then I would honestly argue that they're the perfect team, but I don't think they can take the dead cap hit and sign a rod. Unless he's coming at a massive discount. Yeah. So I think that would be my only hangout with Indy, because I think Indy's perfect too. Maybe they'd need to get a receiver into two through the draft or maybe stretch some money out to see if somebody will come there and, and, and pair up with With some of their young guys yeah, And then you have uh, obviously Jonathan Taylor As a leading guy off the backfield A defense that was pretty gosh darn good this year Top 10 in the league if I'm correct So I think Indy would be a great landing spot I just think being able to get rid of it Now if you can get a trade for Wentz Where someone takes some of that cap relief, And then that frees up a little money For A-Rod then we're talking then I think Indy enters into that top three team for him.
0: Yeah, but I don't. I don't see anybody, you know, taking a bite on that Carson Wentz trade, especially after you just got him the year before.
1: Exactly, it really does put you in a super, 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 super tough spot.
0: Yeah. All right. Um. And real quick, uh, just to end this uh, quarterback carousel uh, talk. Real quick, once again, you listen to 98.5 WJY and the right back sports show, sports for the culture. We want to call the joining discussion. The number is 215 763 9596. So, um, what's your hot take? So, like, the free agency is going to be a month or so away. We're seeing some moves slowly happen now. The, the she's cut Anthony Hickens to save over eight million dollars in cap space. So, like, in regards to the quarterback, we've heard about. There's some murmurs about Russell Wilson potentially getting moved. Deshaun Watson possibly now getting traded. Um, you know, teams are looking for quarterbacks, you know. So, like, what is your hot take that you've uh, – going into this offseason about the quarterback position?
1: I think now that Brian Flores is going from Miami, that Miami will stop at nothing to trade to a Tungvalu for Deshaun Watson. Really? I think it's what they. I, I think it's always what they've wanted to do, and I think it's always what the plan was. I just think Flores was the big kickback. I think he pushed back, and I think as he was winning at first and winning in an a clip that it, it was undeniable, they really couldn't bother to to refute what he said. But I think once they could easily make him the scapegoat after last year, or just they just didn't care anymore. Now they're just like, we're gonna go get Watson. We got our coach, and this is what it is. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. Sounds like Logan agrees.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, she does.
0: <laughs> yeah, fun, fun fact. Uh, I almost not made it to the show today because I was almost abducted by her.
1: <laughs> that did actually almost <laughs> happen.
0: <laughs> but, yeah. yeah um, no. <laughs> but uh, my yeah, hot no, take. Uh, okay. Oh, go ahead. Your hot take. I want yeah. to this. I think there's some validity to Russell, the, the Russell Wilson in Philadelphia.
1: Of course, this would be your hot take. Why do you want to do this to us?
0: Because it's it's weird coincidental because, listen, here's the thing. I rarely bet, but the fact that the odds went from, like, 400 to, like, 50 like over, like, the past, like, few weeks in terms of Russell Wilson going to Philadelphia, it, it's telling me something. Here's the thing. And the one thing you need to know about the city of Philadelphia is the biggest thing about the philadelphia eagles is number one and most importantly never take what howie roseman says as as law the man says a lot of lip service um he's good on optics never take what he says seriously because no matter what the situation is if he's looking for a way to not just improve the team in his image or you know, try to buy himself some job security. We clearly saw that that the way he did it two years ago, putting pretty much everything in regards to the the default the fall of 2020 and Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson. They got rid of both of them before they got rid of the GM. I've never seen a situation like that. So the whole thing about well, Jalen Hurts is going to be our starter. I'm like, yeah, I've heard that before. His name was Carson Wentz. They literally went into that off season. After that loss to Seattle, saying like, "We're gonna do everything we can to build around Carson Wentz." You know what they, you know how they did. To, you know what they did to repay Carson Wentz for that? They drafted Jalen Rager in the first round, and then they drafted his insurance policy in the second round with Jalen Hurts. That's why I'm not buying the whole like, "Oh, just build around Jalen." Here's the thing: he watched. He has eyes. Jeffrey Lurie has eyes. They watched that playoff game. There are multiple th- throws down the field, particularly to Quez Watkins, that. Any other quarterback, upper echelon quarterback, could have made.
1: Oh, we had that discussion that night where it was like, these are plays that whether you believe in Carson Wentz mentally or as a leader, I'll, I'll, I'll entertain those conversations. But when it comes to the pure football talent, arm talent, him and Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts aren't even in the same bracket. It's,
0: close. Exactly. So my thing is that as much as nice, here's the thing, and it, it's kind of vice versa. It's like just because – it's like kind of when it comes to carson Wentz, the guy has all the talent in the world but he just doesn't have it like in between the years and but yeah, Jalen it what it is yeah so but for Jalen hurts it's the opposite he has everything that you want he's a leader he's likable you 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 want to you know believe everything that he says he's a leader I've never seen a guy going into a second year believe um, have a team has a team you know by the horns in terms of leadership like like we've seen with Jalen hurts but the thing is, is that all of that and a dollar or nine could buy you a cup of coffee. If anything talent still matters in the NFL. And I think yeah. if you're not going to have this amount of draft capital and, you know, chess uh, pieces in your war chess and, to make this happen. So if the opportunity is to get your franchise quarterback to to get your opportunity to get a Super Bowl window, it has to be this year. Because, okay, let's just say you go with Jalen Hurts. You're still a middle-of-the-row football team. You go 9-8 again, and you're still out in the first round. You, you're you out of a position to get, like, a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud next year. And what other quarterbacks, in terms of optics, are you going to potentially get next year? Deshaun Watts is probably going to be moved. Um, Russell Wilson's probably not probably going to get traded then. Um, so, like, the only other option you could potentially have is Kyler Murray. But you're not – But uh, but at that point, it's like, what's the point of me trading for Kyler Murray at this point? So if the opportunity now to me, get a, you'd quor- be
1: getting an MVP frontrunner earlier in this year in his fine. I mean, I'm just saying.
0: Okay, that's all right. That's fair. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, but it's like, right, but we're
1: gonna put it out there. We gotta put it out there. Okay, first. but like, I would definitely take Kyler Murray tomorrow.
0: And oh, you. oh, I I would too. But here's the thing: like next year, if you do make that trade for Kyler Murray, not only have to give up. You know, draft picks for the next two to three years, but you also have to foot the forty five to fifty million dollar contract extension to go along with it. Before okay. you even saw him uh work in this system.
1: That's true. Well, okay, so my biggest pushback on going all in for Russell Wilson, because I will give a Russell Wilson prediction after I make this point. Okay but my biggest pushback for the Eagles to to go all in on Russ, my biggest fear is I don't want to be on the wrong side of history. And I think when you look at the history of the three or more first round picks whether it's the same year or whether it's continuous years for one super talent never normally works out in the fashion for the team that gets the one the one singular super talent. It always excuse me, seems to work out for the teams that get the assortment of picks to then use to acquire multiple talents. Um, think of, think of Herschel Walker to the Vikings and the, the Cowboys getting back the picks that eventually became Michael Irvin, Emmitt, and Troy. You know what I'm saying? So like the Ricky Williams trade where the Saints gave up a bunch of stuff and um, I forgot actually who they traded with, but who they traded with became great. I legitimately can't remember. I feel like a bad football fan for not okay. remember who's on the other side of that. But um, my point being is that is my biggest fear is to give up all of this for us when we could have built our roster and yeah, Jalen might not be the guy, but once again we've talked about like yeah you do need a you do need a josh allen you you you, you do need a joe burrow you do need a, a um a, um a, a justin herbert you need one of those guys to compete but i think and i know that's a bad example because they lost and they put up the worst point total in super bowl history and also only got to the super bowl because of uh happenstance the the let's look at the 2018 rams let's look at both Niners teams, either 2019 or this year. Let's look at the Rex Grossman Bears. Let's look at – there are times throughout history that if you build a roster properly, you can still win a championship. Even on an Eagles year, like Carson was amazing, but let's be honest, before Nick turned on in the playoffs, we were we were all nervous. And any predictions you made were just faith based on your team and nothing about his actual performance led you to think to be like, this guy is going to put in a historic playoff. Run. <laughs> You know, so, like, you you, you, you you know what I mean? So, like, even being you who's like, yo, we got this, you're sweating bullets when you're saying it. So, I say that to say, but the thing that made us a champion was we had an amazingly built, well-balanced roster of veterans, young core pieces, young guys that we developed, guys that we brought in on one-year deals, and everybody kind of did their thing. Okay. But, so, here's my Russ prediction, and you can tell me what you think, and you can expound upon this. Okay. Russ... To New Orleans. Mm. Now I know. No Sean Payton. I get it. But I think Russell look and say, Okay, I got Kamara. I got Michael Thomas coming back. The Saints have a high enough traffic that we can go get another piece on offense. The decent the defense is already top ten unit. Mm-hmm. And this is a team that with Jameis Winston on the field, I'm not gonna say they were incredible, but this was a four and two, five and two team at one point. Mm. So I think if you were to put Russ there with his smart decision making, his arm you're going to have, if not as good, you got Marquez Calloway, who also came on last year, like, and you know, with Calloway's top end speed and Russ's deep ball, you got a guy who can, now you can stretch this offense in ways that you couldn't before. You can throw wheel routes to Alva Kamara down the sideline, and you know, Russ is going to hit him and stride with that beautiful arc on a deep ball like he's he executed So, I just think that's my big prediction as far as Russ. I think Russ to New Orleans makes sense. I know everybody's like, well, Sean Payton's not there, so it's not the same, and whatever, whatever, but I think I think Russ is still looking at that team because at the end of the day, as much as he might have respected Sean Payton, he's still going there for that team, you know?
0: Yeah. All right. Um thing is, is that being on the wrong side of history, um, I want to go back to that point. Um, okay. But you got to think, the last two years, what were the biggest moves in regards to the offseason in regards to quarterback? Two years ago, it was Tom Brady going to Tampa. You know what that happened? Tom Brady did exactly what was expected of him. He cut the turnovers have by Jameis Winston, who had a 30-interception uh, season the year before Tom Brady got there. They went 11-5. and five, They got to the playoffs, and we saw that team was clearly held back by the ineptitude of Jameis Winston, and they went on a Super Bowl run. The following season, this last offseason, Matthew Stafford, they took the second-highest dead cap hit in NFL history to go get their guy. Matthew Stafford. You know what happens? They made it to the playoffs again, but they just didn't burn out. They went all the way to the Super Bowl and they won it. So my thing is that being on the wrong side, like think about Tom Brady was 43 when he went to Tampa. Uh, Matthew Stafford is 33 when he went to, uh, he's 33 now um, when he went to LA. Russell Wilson, as of right now, he's 33 years old. And by the time uh, midway through the season, he's going to be 34. So my thing is that Russell Wilson also the thing about Russell Wilson he doesn't get hurt. The biggest injury that you saw Russell Wilson get hurt was just this year with the thumb injury. And you saw like after the thumb injury like you saw like uh during like the Pro Bowl and like him making those uh those uh those those throws at the Pro Bowl uh like like those uh, old Madden 04 camp drills. Like the arm is still there, the the pinpoint accuracy is still there. So my thing is is that you put Russ in an offense with probably the best offensive line he's probably going to have in his entire career here in Philadelphia. Regardless of who's the running back uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles, granted, I would like to go out and get one rather than hope and continue to either depend on Miles Sanders, and when you finally give him 20 carries, he gets hurt, and then we have to bring in back Jordan Howard to come save our season midseason. But also, you give him Devontae Adams, who – if granted better quarterback play and better targets, the guy's a thousand-yard receiver. Dallas Goddard was 150 yards away from uh, a thousand-yard receiver. Quez Watkins, there was a lot of meat on the bone when you watch those t- when you watch that tape. He could have been a thousand-yard receiver because the guy had a sneakily had a sneaky um seven uh 670-yard season. So if you add num- exactly. um, if you have a number you add a like a number two wide receiver. You know somebody you can play on the outside. And uh, put Quez Watkins in
1: and
0: the All slot. And Allen Robinson. Yeah, and Alan. Ro- yeah, and Alan Robinson, a DJ Shark, a, a possession guy. So if you yep. do, if you do that, and you make that trade for Russ, um. But in the end, also the thing about like trading so much about the here's the thing: we already are on pins and needles in regards to what Howie Roseman does to the draft. So instead of hoping that Howie Roseman does the right thing, he could just do the right thing and just get your franchise quarterback right here and there.
1: That's true. And at this point, we're already freed up so much money-wise going into next year and then going into even the following year of 2023 or that time. I, I wouldn't mind having Russ on the books, especially because it makes us a more attractive, creates destination. And then it ups the ceiling of the team already. I'm just afraid that it would also expose that we still don't have enough from on in this roster. Maybe with Russ, we will.
2: Maybe
0: with Russ Devontae is an 1,100-yard 10-touchdown receiver. Maybe Dallas Goddard is a 1,200-yard 12-touchdown tight end. Hold on, hold on. We have a caller. Uh-oh. You know who it is. Yep, play the music. Yep, 98.5 WJYN, the Running Back Sports Show.
2: Play my music, boy. know what time it is.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. What's going on, pops?
2: Same old, same old. You know, like I said. Came back from Vegas on Sunday. I didn't hit the jackpot, so I'm back back at my regular nine to five job. So you
0: know, ah, man, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah,
2: lucky for you, you're still on the wheel. Okay.
0: Uh yeah, yeah. I'm 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 not a fan of talking about Wills right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I got you. I got you. But we I are talking
0: you. about Russell Wilson.
2: <laughs> what about him? Let me tell you Wilson. something, Russell Wilson is not coming to Philadelphia. It's not on his list of preferred destinations, okay? Russell Wilson I've been wants to
1: him for, for a year, for
2: a year now. Russell Wilson is not coming here. Sierra doesn't want to come here. Therefore, Russell Wilson does not want to come here.
0: What's wrong okay? with Philly? You
2: know, and Russell Wilson is a 32-year-old quarterback that's been in the league for a minute. He's already won a Super Bowl championship. Why would he want to come to a team that's rebuilding?
0: Hold on. First of all, of we're, we're not. First of all, we're not rebuilding. We was a playoff team this year. First and foremost, you can clearly see that we were in. <laughs>
2: That's because the other teams in the league were so was so bad no that we think the, the Eagles league 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 were at least worse. Nine and eight, I'm something proud of. Granted, you know, granted Sirianni overachieved, but the way that team looked, especially on defense, are you kidding me? Okay, we had no line. Okay, we had no linebackers. You know, God bless Alex Riley. He has tremendous heart. He ain't going to get it done. Okay. We need a new edge rusher. We need a new lineman. Okay. And we got we to gotta beef up the O-line because, you know, some of the guys on the line look long in the tooth. God bless Jason Kelsey coming come back for another war, but he's been through put too many wars over the years. He's worn down. All right. And let's face it, Jonathan getting the defense, come on now, really.
0: I mean, well, you just mentioned the fact that he has some linebackers, and during that playoff game, we were without our best pass rusher in Josh Sweat. So is it really that much of Jonathan Gannon or the fact that he just does not have the talent to equip his scheme with?
2: It's a combination of both. Because when you have your defensive backs 10 yards off the receivers and they're gaining like you know groups and groups of yardage and everything, come on now. Common sense dictates you play press coverage. You play a man-to-man and stop playing like off the ball. And also off, off the receivers. Come on now. My granddaughter knows that. And she's only three years old. So, uh, now, nah, one more year and Jalen. Let us use those draft picks to rebuild the team. To make it, a, you know, at, least, at the very least, make the Eagles a destination place. Because the only way they're going to get free agents is to throw gobs and gobs of money at them. You know, that's how free it works and everything. But, you know, the Eagles aren't the premier – I mean, don't get me wrong. The Eagles are still, are still relatively a good organization, but they're not where they are like a few years ago after they won the Super Bowl. Or, you know, where people you – know, you know, before Chip Kelly destroyed the team. So, let's talk about, like, you know, giving up two draft picks to get Russell Wilson, give a draft fifty to get Deshaun Watson. Nah. And Deshaun Watson still has, still has his uh, simple case. 22 silver case to deal with. Let me tell you something. There will be such an uproar if the Eagles um, traded for Deshaun Watson and brought him here. Because he was still at, probably here to serve a suspension at least eight games. Hmm. You really think the fans would go for that? They brought, um, they brought Deshaun Watson here and they had, I mean, and they did bring Deshaun Watson here. Who would be quarterback and him for the first eight games? Gardner Minshew?
0: Minshew Mania, baby.
2: Oh, uh, here we go. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, look, you're in love with that mustache. My mistake. <laughs> yeah, I love with that must. My my mistake, my mistake, I forgot what I was talking about.
1: See, I was saying the entire time, I'm with yeah. you, Mr. Marlon. We should take the three picks, rebuild around those guys, who
0: we got on the roster. Whoa, whoa, and- whoa. No no you was not. You was on that Deshaun Watson wagon also, man. And for the record, Watson's not on our list either. He said he either wants to go to Tampa Bay or he wants to go to Minnesota. So don't try to sell me up the river, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> mhm. I was
1: saying if we couldn't have the Sean though, I was cool with building the red deal. Uh huh. Uh
0: huh. Oh, oh, so you're gonna hit me with the Friday? Oh, that was different. Okay.
2: Uh huh. <laughs> I think <mean, since laughs> there's a bit of going you know on I mean, around here. I understand
1: that by the end of my plan A is getting worse and worse, and less and less likely. So instead of just rushing to get somebody who's older than Watson. I'd rather just
0: take those picks and build. Okay. But all I'm just saying in regards to the Russell Wilson thing, you know what you're going to get from Russell Wilson. You're going to get a Pro Bowl, you're going to Pro Bowl MVP caliber quarterback who can take advantage of a weak NFC East and potentially win us a playoff game or two if all things fall in line, as opposed to oh, building around the draft. So the whole thing is that how he can draft and how he can't do this and that. So, you want to put your eggs, which is three first-round eggs, in the Howie Roseman basket, hoping that he will build a defense, hoping that he'll get a linebacker, hopefully he'll get the right pass rusher, where well, you can get a sure thing right now in Russell Wilson? I mean, he can't miss three
1: straight first-round
0: picks, right? <laughs> <laughs> let me let me tell you a team. I well, we'll really have a
1: better response than that, to be
0: honest, like. Let me tell you a team. You miss all the let me tell you a team named the Minnesota Timberwolves. They passed up on Steph Curry twice for Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio. Trust me, Ooh. it can't even happen. Hey, hey, hey. Ricky Rubio is a serviceable NBA player. Yeah, but Steph Curry became a generational talent.
2: So. <laughs> Listen, hey, look, it can't happen, everybody. Hey, look, remember a few years back, everybody thought Ben Simmons was a generational talent. Hmm. Hmm. You know. But as far as Russell Wilson goes, uh, who's going through to Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard? Yeah. <laughs> okay, and who else?
0: That's all you need.
2: <laughs> See, that's why I love my boy. He's so optimistic and everything, but you know he, he he gets a little he gets the little delusional at times. I mean, <sighs> I
0: mean, I mean, the funny thing is, is that the whole thing about Russell Wilson is that like, if we get Russell Wilson, that means we're ignoring everything else. No, that's not the case. We are knocking the biggest domino down, which is solidifying a quarterback position.
2: But to- you, be, but see, you'll be using the resources you have to rebuild the team, restock the team to get Russell Wilson. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. All
0: right. Well, let me pose. There, you are, a-
2: too ma- there are too many other holes on the team. Okay, you roll, you roll with dice with wins. With I'm sorry, with hurts. One more year. Okay, at the very least, you need to get a linebacker. Okay, you need to get a, f- a defensive lineman, an edge rusher, and you need a safety okay, somebody in that defensive backfield on the payroll with Darius Slay. Okay. All right? A safety or a cornerback. Okay. Now, there, there are lots of choice. There are lots. I mean, there are lots of choice. like, you know, choices out there for the Eagles if they hold on to their draft capital.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: Yo. All
0: right, but let me pose you this question. Let's say you, you beat the Miami Dolphins of next year, where it's like, you're in the middle of the pack, so you're not good enough to be a contender for a serious Super Bowl title, but you're not bad enough to be in a position in which, if Jalen Hurts doesn't work out, then you can look elsewhere for a quarterback. So exactly, it's like, what are you going to do if Jalen Hurts doesn't pan out? You're not in a position to go get like a Bryce Young from Alabama or C.J. Stroud from Ohio State or any other top quarterbacks coming out of the next year. The quarterback market, in terms of getting a uh, trading for one, is probably going to dry up because it's you have the assets to nail that position down for at least the next five to six years with Russell Wilson. You
2: think Russell Wilson's playing six more years?
0: Five five to six, yeah. Listen,
2: and we're, we're watching quarterbacks. What makes you, what makes you qu- think Russell Wilson wants to come here?
0: I mean, Philly in the summertime uh, is lovely. <laughs>
2: uh-huh, I, I hear crickets. I said Philly in the lie.
0: summertime is lovely, man.
2: You didn't even believe it. Yeah, okay. Uh, let me tell you something. Uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks are looking for a new quarterback, and that team is like you know a whole lot closer to winning the Super Bowl than the Eagles are. Okay, the New Orleans Saints are looking for a new quarterback, and they're a lot closer to going to the Super Bowl than the Eagles are. All right, that's what you have. That's that's what I'm talking about. Okay, there are choice here. Places you know, I love Philadelphia. I love the Eagles. I've I've been bleeding greens before you were born. All right. There are choicier places to go to besides the Eagles. Okay, if Russell Wilson says he ain't coming to Philly, he's not coming to Philly. That's all there is to it.
0: Okay, but okay. it also has to make sense for Seattle. Also, they don't have a first round pick.
2: Okay, and you also have to understand there are other teams out there that have higher draft well, picks they, than the they, Eagles. They don't have
1: a first round pick to leverage with. i don't only
2: give two. Yeah, but you also have to understand there are teams out there that have higher draft picks than the Eagles. They have more draft capitals than the Eagles. That could outbid them for Russell Wilson services. That's something i have taken into account too. Because Washington needs a quarterback. Lord knows he needs a quarterback for a minute. The Giants do. Okay, because uh Danny Dimes ain't getting it done. Let's face it. He he peaked in his first year. Okay. Minnesota might be looking for a quarterback because Kirk Cousins might be testing, like you know, might be testing the waters himself. Okay. And what I was saying to you is if Russell Wilson does not want to come here, he's not going to come here. There are other places, there are other places that have more it have more it have more draft capital for for Seattle a trade, and there are other places that are choice here for Russell Wilson. <laughs> so therefore, we need to use what we got to get what we need. Okay? And if you surround Jalen Hurts with better talent, maybe, just maybe, he might have he might be a better quarterback. That's all I'm saying. always that possibility. Oh, okay. So, I got to ask y'all. So, after hearing the uh, the, the, the suit, I'm sorry, the the the, the foot, the fraud of all time, LeBron James, basically threw his general manager under the bus during an all-star break, what do you think about him talking about going back to Cleveland?
0: <laughs> uh, I'll let you I go first. I
2: think it's the equivalent of seeing your
1: ex get really high after you left and being like, hmm, maybe I should call you.
2: Yeah, he went. He went back to Cleveland. You know, he he. You know, he did Cleveland Dirty the first time. Okay,
1: he tried to do. Right the you saw,
2: yeah, he did it all. Take my talents to the South Beach. You know, the, the the decision. Okay, he won three championships in Miami with a ready-made team. Okay, everybody wanted to jump on the training. train. Okay, that in itself to me is a big fraud too. But, you know, that's that's a different story for a different time. He went back to Cleveland because Cleveland had Kyrie Irving. Okay, and they had to ask us to get Kevin Love. And therefore, you know, and everybody else want to jump on the bandwagon, you know, Ray Allen and the rest of the crew, they hop on the bandwagon and won championship with Cleveland. He went to L.A. Because he realized L.A. had at the time had assets to, you know, to bring him there that's going to help him win a championship, you know, i.e. A.D., Anthony Davis. So, and he went there, they won the championship. Then the wheels fell off the train. You know, he acted like a general manager. He's the one who wanted to bring in Melo. He's the one... That gave up, you know, that gave up all the future assets for Russell Westbrook. Okay. And, you know, he's the one that decided Alex Caruso wasn't good enough to be on the team. He's the one that decided, yeah, hey, we don't need Kyle Kuzma. He's the one that decided, uh, you know, we don't need, you know, KCP. And, you know, look look at that team down. And Davis is out again, you know, and they're basically like, you know, one their walkers rank, they're running the tennis balls off their walkers, they're trying to limp it to the last spot in the playoffs. And for for LeBron to basically throw his general manager under the bus, if he's mad, okay, fine. But the way he counted Sam Presti, you know, he drafted KD, you know, he drafted a uh, shake, you know, shake, you know, Gilly, you know, uh, he got Chris Paul, you know, really, really. That's why I call LeBron a fraud, because he wants a tailor-made team to get him a championship. And I am almost saying, yeah, well whoever's son my son, I'm I'm going there and I'm going to play with him one last time before I retire. He's going to be 40 years old. (laughs) Come on now. Now, am I wrong for saying this? No. No.
0: I don't
2: know. know, I like like not to say so, but, you know, it is what it is. And uh, what are you guys out doing? Ben Simmons playing the March game here in Philly. Oh, I
1: think I think uh, he's going to have a very aggressive uh, cold that night.
0: Back spasms.
2: Hangnail. <laughs> no. no, but no, better yet, better yet. Mental well, like rest said, day.
1: He was up gaming too late.
2: He's gonna have a mental rest day. How about that?
0: No, oh, uh, he was warming up, but he jammed his finger on the basketball. He didn't feel right.
2: Yeah. Like, no, actually, he sprained his wrist carrying his girlfriend's soccer ball.
1: I just know yeah, if said it. shooting threes, he ain't gonna make it into the greener in Philly. I'll tell you that much.
2: <laughs> oh man. how you like how do you like Joel's uh, MVP chances?
0: Um, I like him a lot. Um. Like, obviously, we're going to see Friday, you know, with the inclusion of Harden, and, you know, we're going to see, like, how those two are going to be able to feed off each other, Uh, whether it be off the bat or is it going to take some time. But right now, he's leading the league in scoring. They're third in the East right now. So I think if they – as long as they maintain, you know, third or second, like, in the Eastern Conference, they're only two and a half games back from the number one seed. And you didn't have Ben Simmons playing the entire year, and you're finally getting James Harden post All-Star break. That is that says a lot in terms of how much Joel Embiid matters to your basketball team. So I feel like as long as he you know continues, um, I feel like as long as he continues you know being consistent in terms of like you know still leading the league in scoring, I feel like the MVP is going to be his. And just stay healthy, man.
3: Yeah, well.
2: See, unlike a, a former ba- a Sixers basketball player, when everybody got on Joel and be about being fat and being out of shape, what did he do? He whipped himself into shape. And he came back a monster. Okay, somebody else when they got criticized, you know, they went back into their shell like a little turtle. You know, so I give Joel most props because he's been, he's been a straight beast mode for a minute now, and I give I give him the most props the most respect. He's been a monster. If you keep with that fire and that intensity and everything, I mean, the Sixers are going to go deep in the playoffs and dare I say, you know, make a finals run, especially with the addition of Harden.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so now we're okay. ready to make a finals run with Harden.
0: Oh, and a uh, little bit of breaking news, the Sixers signed Willie Colleystein to a 10-day contract.
1: I don't hate that at all.
0: Nope, perfect.
1: Well All I need you to do is come in for ten to twelve minutes, block some
2: shots, catch some lines from James Harden, and get some rebounds, young fella. Yeah. So, so 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 I was gonna that's because I was gonna ask you guys, who do you like on the on uh, the buyout market? DeAndre Jordan or Robin Lopez. I even know Willie Collingstein was out there or still in the lead for that matter. Yeah.
0: Apparently, uh, I, need it.
2: I, I want a guard. I want another
0: shooter.
2: One more shooter. Yeah. Well I'll be out because really, truthfully, I want to sit to sign Dragage. Yeah, but once the Nets got on, I was like, I saw
0: that coming. Yeah, but it's like also Dragic is more of a slasher than a shooter, so.
1: It, well, I just from the Nash connection, that was his rook, his backup. So yeah. I figured if he was going to sign with anybody, it would have been them. Even like say if we both called, I feel like he the Nets had to one up because of Nash.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we still really you think about it, who on the team was a real true point guard? If you say Shake Milton, I'm going to hang it up. Well, he- I
1: mean, Harden is the closest thing we have. He's a he's a facilitator. He can control an offense. He can get guys their shots, kick out to the shooters, set up people for lobs and dunks. So he can run the offense. And then if Maxi only has to run, quote-unquote, the offense for anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes a night, I can live with that. Because if, sec- if he has to be the second and third best player on the floor at all times, give or take, if... Embiid and, and, and hard on the floor I I don't think that's terrible Especially because there'll be nights When Tobias will step up huh?
2: right, Well it'll be nice if Matisse Thibault hit a shot But you know
1: oh, I mean I, my, I always tell Chris This all the time my biggest thing with Thibault is He's incredible it's just we'll be on a, And I know you know exactly what I'm talking about We'll be on like a 9 nothing run We'll get a steal somebody gonna kick it out to him in the corner He'll just clang the three They'll Just kill all the momentum they're just like, dude, you you like that's what your job is, is, to play defense and hit open transition threes. And you just never finish your job.
2: Well see, if he could transition into a Bruce Bowen type player, I could live with that. Because remember Bruce Bowen was a defensive ace, but he all yeah. but uh, unlike Cyborg, when Bruce Bowen was open and he had the open jump shot and everything, he always nailed it. He, he would always hit the corner three when he needed it. So if Cyborg can can evolve into like a Bruce Bowen like, you know, Mark Two, I could live with that. Because
1: what are you exactly, doing right that's now? All I, want from, I know he's not going to be a star offensively. He's too and left offensively. But well, if he can just start hitting open shots, you're good. You're golden. You can hit, If you hit 40% from three and defend the way you defend, you will make $100 million at some point. Yeah. Just be Easy.
0: just like, yeah, just yeah, be a Bruce Bowen, Shane Battier. Like That's all we can ask. That's all we can you ask.
1: Know. But that's the so thing. We'll, I'll be we'll honest. He's one of our Wilson Chandler. Smile was like, what's the expect that nobody's thinking of in a chance for a final strike? And it's the development of Matisse and Tyrese, because if they can both understand the moment and really step their game up, that's two big rotation pieces. If is hitting open threes, if Tyrese is being aggressive, getting to the basket, getting guys involved in the pick and roll, and having Harden here to really get him to understand how that pick and roll works and really who to look for and what angles to take to get certain shooters open, that's going to open up the floor even more.
2: So. Very true, very true. I mean, and who else – I mean, you say you want to shoot. Who else do you think is going to be on the buyout mark for the 6th to maybe sign as an extra shooter off the bench?
1: I don't know. Like, I don't know who's really not. Like, who's, who's on the, on the, on the I like, like, a Brent Forbes. I would take Brent Forbes. I would take um, – What about Gary Harris? Gary Harris. I would – well, Gary Harris is not really a shooter, but, I mean, I'd take another bench card. For real, honestly, like, I would love a shooter, but like, like Mr. Marlon said, I think – We need another point guard. You need one more, like, OG, DJ. And that's going to sound like a weird example, like DJ Augustine. Somebody who's like, I'm not going to turn the ball over. I'm going to swing the ball when I need to. I'm going to set guys up. I'm going to play adequate defense, and I can hit an open three. That's really all you need.
2: Hmm. Well, we'll see how things go come this Friday. And, uh, you know, the new look, Sixers look. And... (laughs) Hey Wilson, and I asked this last week. So, uh, where do you think uh, the Broncos going to wind up at? You Carson, the Broncos, went.
0: What was that? Jamal? You said Lebron? I'm sorry. I can't No,
2: no, the question. no LeBron Carson, LeBron Carson, Carson, the Broncos, went.
0: Oh, Carson, yeah. Oh, oh, where does Carson go? Um, I mean, the US, the USFL is having a draft tonight, so maybe. Wow. <laughs>
2: I was going to say Ooh. XFL MVP, but, you know. Hey, look, the XFL's coming back in 2023 with a partnership with the NFL. You can go play for the Rock.
1: Maybe NFL Europe, like, they rebuild the league around Carson Wentz.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Those Europe teams. Yo, what was that? Uh, oh, dang. What was it like? The Manchester? Galaxy yeah, f- was the
2: best team.
0: Oh, no. What was that team that was called the Fire?
2: Yeah. Well, fire. Something fire. They yeah. They were terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, I miss NFL Europe, the Amsterdam Admirals, the London Monarchs,
0: no.
1: the
2: Frankfurt Galaxy, the Scottish Claymores.
1: <laughs> Terrible. That's that's where I see Carson Wentz in the no. future. But, no, seriously, I think unless he's willing to take backup money, he's going to be on some bottom tier team that's forced to take him. Like, if, if maybe Pittsburgh is too scared to draft somebody, and they're like, all right, whatever, we'll take the cap hit, and they take him. But they don't normally pay money for stuff. So, like, that's the other thing. He's still got a $20 million cap hit and was like – he was good last year. I will say this: as good as Jonathan Taylor was, he could have had better weapons on the outside.
0: Very All true. Right. Very true. All right, listen. He's going to pull a McDabb. He's going to go to Washington.
2: Oh, oh my gosh! Oh man, if Honestly, he did that, he he would be public, he would be public enemy like on. number two next they to Ben Simmons receivers. in Philadelphia. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs>
1: I mean,
2: well,
1: to be honest, well,
0: 11, Carson to Washington makes a lot no, of No, no, no. That's why I said it. Like, it, it it solves their quarterback problems for the time being. You got Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick in the backfield. You got Terry McLaurin, uh, Logan Thomas at tight end. You just need to get another wide receiver, too.
1: Which it, you have the money to, or you in, I think, what what is Washington pick in, like, 10th or something like
0: that? Yeah, you can get uh, a yeah 11th, you? 11th.
1: You could go get Drake, you can go get Jamison, you can go get Arlen Burks, you can go get, you know, there's a bunch of top-tier guys and receiver and Fro-Fo, they don't really have any other pressing need. So, like, at 11, if whoever's there, which I think, I don't think anyone else is projected to go in the 10 as far as receivers, they'll have their pick of a letter. So, jeez. Oh,
2: man. man. Carson I, didn't even, I didn't even think about that. I had not thought about that. That Carson, me how perfect that Carson is. Carson went, Car- oh, Car- really think about it. Carson the commander. Commander Carson. Oh,
0: commander Carson. God. Can you just imagine him on one of those big
1: posters with that stupid commander jersey Oh, oh God. <laughs>
0: you just, you just, you, you do realize you just gave birth to a Twitter avatar, right? Commander Some, Carson. Oh,
1: that's somebody's
0: Twitter Avi, isn't it? Oh. Yeah, it, it probably is. Because uh, remember, uh, remember General, uh, remember General Andrew Luck. Yeah, that's gonna be Commander Carson. Oh my
1: God, Commander Carson wins! Oh Ooh, man. As, I man, still, as main now main I
0: head to Arlington yesterday. As I head to Arlington to go face my dreaded rival the Dallas Cowboys Oh man Sergeant McLaurin
2: Or if he was down way, to and back, and back up that be, That'd be Cowboy Carson <laughs> Oh
1: God. that would be even worse
2: Well hmm. I mean Dakota's got that locked up So Dakota's gonna
0: be over there I, I don't know <laughs>
2: And, and one more thing. So what do you think about uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers hiring Brian Flores, you know, even though he's in a lawsuit against the NFL for discrimination? Um, I think they sent Mike Tomlin
1: out there as, like, a try to give him a peace offering and be like, hey, Mike, you want to hire him? You know what I'm saying? Talk to your boy. Maybe he won't sue us. And Brian Flores is like, no, I'm totally still going to sue you guys. I just like Mike Tomlin. i want on the job. So.
0: Yeah. Also, shout out to Mike Tomlin for looking out for him. Because after that lawsuit, we knew he wasn't going to be a coach again. But for me, my fear was he was never going to coach again. But shout-out to Tomlin for still, like, having enough wherewithal and enough tack in the Pittsburgh organization realize, like, this guy's a damn good coach. He deserves oh, yeah. to be well, in the league.
2: Without, without question. See, the thing about it is I don't think they hired him to pacify him. The Pittsburgh Steelers are the one that, like, you know, instituted the Rooney Rule because the Rooney Rule is in there to their legendary owner. God, you know, God rest his soul. Because they they probably are one of the more progressive organizations in the NFL because they took a chance on Mike Tom think about it. In their entire history, they've only had three coaches. Chuck Noll. What's that guy? Um Bill Cower. Bill Cower and, you know, Mike Tomlin. Chuck Noll, Bill Cower, Mike Tomlin, that's it. Three. Yeah, and they've and they've always they've always been integrate they've always integrated like, you know, African Americans into their staff. You know, even when the rest of the NFL was like, you know, behind them. And them hiring Brian Flores, this is a message to the NFL saying, you know, we're not part of this. We want, you know, we want progressive and everything. And even though Brian Flores basically blackballed after he dropped that bombshell they said, you know what, we're going to hire him, so our hand, you know, they we're hiring him. You know, because you think about it, he's a good, co- you know, he's a good coach, you know. And on top of that, they say, you know, our hands are clean to this. So take, you know, the rest of y'all can, you know, basically kick rocks. <laughs>
1: So, do you think, so you don't feel like any of this is like, not to say he's in cahoots, cahoots with the NFL, but as, but as far as like, as far as uh, Art Rooney or I guess his son is like kind of like trying to clean up the NFL's mess by hiring Ryan Flores?
2: No, it's no. The Steelers are pretty much done, the Steelers are pretty much like, you know, done their own thing. Because they're such a storied franchise. You know, because they, they're, they're they're probably one of the most story franchises in the NFL, along with the the San Francisco Forty ers and dare I say the Cowboys? Well yeah, <laughs> we ain't talking
0: about uh-huh, Yeah,
2: yeah. Where they're pretty they're pretty much like you know an island unto themselves in certain things. You know, because like I said, they were the first ones to really have like a balanced staff between like you know African African Americans and Caucasians on their coaching staffs. And even their old ex players, like guys like, you know, Joe Green, you know, all the like and everything, they kept them as integral parts of their organization for as long as they wanted. They you know, they they always reward rewarded loyalty whether the players were black, white, you know, you know, Latino, Mexican, you know, whatever. So, therefore, you know, my hats off this field to get mad respect from me for being you know, for being progressive. And they're trying to let the NFL know the NFL know saying, like, look, you know, this can't keep on going on. You know, and for Bill Belichick to call, you know, you know the other Brian accidentally, you know, calling like you know Brian Flores accidentally to congratulate him on getting the job, we started calling the other coach and everything. To me, that's that's hilarious. That just shows that they, that the old boy network in the NFL knew they were not hiring a black coach. Mm-hmm. Okay, and some of the coaches, you know, Eric Bieniemy and uh, Byron Leftwich, the fact this little assistant coaches and everything just boggles my mind. It really does. Okay, well, and the okay. fact that the Eagles, and also the fact that Eagles didn't hire Deuce Staley, that still was my mind too. So, and that's why Deuce lefty said, "You know what? I got to go somewhere else to make my name the, to make my name in the NFL. It's not going to happen here. Things have to change for the better. It's that simple."
0: Yep, totally agree. <laughs>
2: so, well, I was just going
1: to say the sad part is through all of this, right? We have all these systems, and we still only have one black head coach in the entirety
2: of the NFL. Through an entire hiring cycle, People oh no, the, just oh beat. yeah, they had the Miami Dolphins hired like like some. They said they
0: it said that. who's half black, apparently.
2: Yeah, well, that I'm sorry, oh, you know, with all due respect, yeah. that doesn't count. That that doesn't count. That doesn't count. They, and that was a panic hire after Brian Flores was suing the NFL. Uh, yo, guys, we better double down. Look, we gotta. Half black guy? We're not racist. <laughs> nah, Nah. nah, dang what, dang what. so. Uh, and guys, <laughs> on another note, before, before you let me go, how bad was Survivor Series outside of the female elimination chamber?
0: Oh, you mean the elimination chamber in Saudi Arabia?
2: Yeah, well, I'm sorry. How bad? How bad was the elimination? Aside from the women's match, was actually pretty decent. Um, how bad was it?
1: You want to go
0: first,
2: Chris? I mean, I have a million thoughts, but I'll let you go first. <laughs> um, I'm happy
0: Roman choked out Goldberg. Goldberg. Oh, oh. go yeah. um, The lead of Becky Lynch match was actually a lot better than what I was expecting. Um, as far as the men's elimination chamber, it was kind of expected, especially after we saw Lashley getting taken out. And uh, – yeah, shout out to Austin Theory for taking that spot because no amount of money in the world is going to make me take an F5 off the pod. <laughs> that
1: is a fact. The first thing I thought was like, oh, Austin Theory is going to kick out of this and he's going like, to throw him off on the mat. And then he just flung him off. And I was like, holy crap, you really agreed to this spot. Um, Lita and Becky was the best match in the night. Um, Roman Goldberg was what it needed to be. Uh, the pod, men's pod was terrible. Uh, the tag matches were bad. Um, yeah, it was a pretty bad pay per view, and I hated the fact that they booked Lesnar to win the title just to have a title versus title match at Mania. The only way I'd be okay is that if you book Ra- Rollins into the match and he's winning the title and taking all, then I'm okay with it.
2: All I got to say about it is, right now, Vince's booking is looking sh- is looking scarily similar to the way WCW was, were booking their matches in their dying days, where they were putting over, like, you know, past, you know past their prime stars or older stars who've been on the top and not building up their younger stars. Because Brock is going to win, Brock is going to win, but they had him destroy, absolutely destroy everybody else in the elimination chamber that was in there with him, and they booked him to be a beast, okay? I don't have a problem so much with him, Brock winning, but it's the way he did it. Because they made everybody have like chump, like weak chumps. Yeah. Okay. The Viking Raiders Eagles match that was idiotic, and it once again shows that Vince is like you know like has no like no just doesn't care about the tag team division. And why he has that philosophy now when in the '80s when the tag team division was like one of the strongest points of the, of the uh, WWF at that time. They had teams like Demolition, the Brainbusters, the Rougeaus, the Killer Bees, the Heart Foundation. You know the Islanders. Okay, um, this is why AEW is winning the wrestling war because they have. Been, I mean, they, the matches are higher quality. They're building their own young stars. Okay, you have guys like Cesaro, Finn Balor, uh, Sami Zayn to a certain extent, um, Apollo Cruz. You know all all the like. They're basically just, like, you know, wasting away. And when was the last time that anybody seen, like, Oscar, Elias, you know? Vince had so many opportunities to build his own stars and to use the stars that he signed from independent other organizations and build them up for the future. But instead he wants to rely on the old, like, tried and true Brock Lesnar, bringing Bill Goldberg back. One shining star the one shining star through all this is Roman Reigns because the way they booked him as a monster is a monster champion and everything, I can live with that. I really can. Because they booked him properly. But keep on throwing retreads out there and everything, I mean, whew. I mean, and you're not promoting the young stars, that's a recipe for disaster. And as much as Vince talked about the way he crushed WCW and they weren't promoting the Young Stars and everything, I mean, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. And taking them, and with Hunter, with you know, Triple H no longer in power, the way he was before everything, WWE is going into a tailspin. You know, and I don't know if rumors are true saying they're going to sell the company. I don't know, but Vince needs to do something. Yeah. <laughs> and all these guys here, Braun Strowman and EC3 are starting their own wrestling company.
0: Oh, great. That's... I'm
2: going to be honest. I think nothing's going to
1: change as far as how this place is run even when Vince dies, because I think, I think that's where Nick Khan is in place now. And I think now with Triple H being removed from power and Vince looking probably beyond eventually when he's going to be here, he's looking at it as he wants his product to be presented a certain way, to appeal to a certain people, and that to be the long short of it. And so I think he'll never change his formula unless it'll stop making money. And last year was his most profitable year since the attitude
0: era yeah they made over a billion dollars last year and when you look at the Saudi Arabia deals that they've been doing over the last three years it's pretty much accumulated just from the Saudi Arabia pay-per-views alone they've accumulated more revenue uh, than the entire uh, than the entire existence of AEW so I feel like at this point Vince doesn't really care Vince cares about his bottom line so my thing is is that if you want to care more about you know the, the product in the ring, there are plenty of other outlets to go. You can go to AEW. Um, Impact's doing a lot of things now with uh, multiple companies. They just had a pay-per-view, I believe, No Surrender, where the main event was Team Impact versus um, Honor No More, which featured five uh, former Ring of Honor guys. So, like, th- you have other options in terms of, okay, do you want to watch professional wrestling, or you could just sit you and know, watch WWE, which they don't use the word wrestling anymore. They use sports entertainment. But it's like WWE is now becoming this conglomerate juggernaut, this billion-dollar company. It's making billion-dollar revenue for all the shareholders, where it's like, okay, we made our money. We don't care about anything else. Mm, Very true,
2: very true. But, But time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah. All right. We'll let's see. What do you think about Cody coming back to WWE? Cody. Cody
0: Whoa. Cody. Cue the smoking mirrors. Whoa. <laughs> Listen.
1: Um, I'm excited. I think now, not, not that the war was never not a war or is a war, but I just think the more that there will be subtle acknowledgments and more that there will be, you know, momentum behind the scenes that maybe we will get some sort of Awesome one day crossover or or something like that. Or even just guys being more comfortable to go back and forth. It's like, hey, this product more fits. Like I think a guy, I think this opens the door for, it. and I tell Chris this all the time that this is my prediction. Brian Cage is a Vince guy. You put him with a manager, you let him in there, you let him flex, you let him do a couple of moonsaults and uh, F5 somebody to death, and that's a world champion for Vince. I don't think he fits with AEW. He can put on those type of great matches, but the AEW guys are more like—they're not body guys. They're not—they're not you know impressive physique. Yeah, guys.
0: they're work—they're work, the work rate they're guys. They're work
1: rate guys. Exactly. So I think a guy like Brian Cage would profit from going to WWE. And you know, I don't know what his relationship is with Cody, but if there was to be some sort of negotiation brought to the table, having Cody to be like, you know, Brian Cage, what's up? It's Cody Rhodes. Uh, Vince wants to talk to you. Blah blah blah. blah. You know, so having someone now who not only a knows some of that roster, a lot of that roster, all of them helped hire those guys. Was at one point their bosses. So yeah. like, you know, yeah, a strategic move from Vince. He's gonna pay Cody a lot of money. Cody's probably gonna have. He's gonna spend some time in Gorilla. Like, don't don't get it wrong. This is a this is a power play from Vince. I'm, I I know I I don't know Vince, but I know Vince well enough from seeing how he moves. This is a power play to get Cody. Yeah, this is the Bill Belichick signing the receiver who played for the Dolphins two weeks ago, um, and starting them.
0: Yeah, and you also got to think like the biggest thing is like Cody's power to book got taken away. So like that was the biggest thing that kept him in AEW. So it's like okay, you you took away my you took away the the power for me to like do my own storyline to do my own thing. So why am I still here? I could if it's just money, I could just go back to the WWE. They're going to pay me a lot more and that's what it all came down to is like they wanted that same pump that daniel that brian daniel sent money which is three million a year which to me was perfectly fair considering uh what cody initially did for the company and that's kind of like on good faith so it's like to me it's going to be interesting because if cody comes back and cody's booked pretty strongly you know card, get a few main events here and there then to me it's going to kind of open up guys who kind of like an mjf who's going to be looking like you know what uh, I'm young. I'm seeing the way Cody is getting booked over here, and I'm looking at compared to here, where it's like, okay, they got their Omegas, they got their Hangmans, they got them Adam Cole, they got their buddies here, and it's like, there's no room, there's no real room for me here. Same with Wardlow. So like, if Cody pans out perfectly there, then I could definitely see a bunch of other guys, uh, probably you know, going over and like jumping ship.
2: Well, there's always there's already rumors. Saying that Chris Jericho might be on his way back to WWE, you know, and Cody, you know, he like you said, he helped build up AEW with his brother and the Young Bucks and Tony Khan, but apparently he lost the power play because he lost a lot of his power to so Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks, you know. So, and if he if he lost his power and everything, then you know what? That's you know it he lost the power and he they're really not giving him anything to do. Then I don't blame him. You know, I'm going to go where the money takes me. You know, he had, he just started a new family with Brandy. You know, so he's looking to be set up financially, and the fact that he's still only thirty six years old, you know, and he's been around for a while, and everything, you know, he still wrote in wrestling age. You know, he's his front. yeah. So he still has a lot of you know he still has a lot of good years left in him. So we'll see what happens with that, you know. And really, I wish Cody nothing but the best. And that whole that way they underused him was criminal. You know, the whole star gimmick. You know, we're not, we're not even going to talk about that, but you know, <laughs> um. So we'll see because why I understand they're going to give them a major push, yep. and if they book them correctly, they know they got. You know they're going to have another hot act on their hands. Yep. You know, and maybe just maybe Vince will open the forbidden door, but you know I doubt it. So we'll see. Yeah. Thanks. And for, so you get for you, and I'll leave you guys. You get a chance. Go on YouTube. Look up all Japan wrestling: The King's Road. It's basically like a documentary series on the heyday of all Japan wrestling from the late 80s into the early 90s. That's definitely a watch. You know, that's wrestling history because as good as the Attitude Era was and as good as, like, you know, the original heyday of the WWF was and everything, when you see those matches, you see, the, you, see the, you see the guys that were wrestling, Mitsuharu Misawa, the Kiritawi, the Miracle Violence Collection, of Dr. Steve Williams and Terry Bam Bam Gordy you know, don't you, chin, don't you, chinryu, all right? you guys will be like, wow. Because in Japan, they give absolutely no you-know-what about the way. That's strong style. So, so, you guys get a chance. Look that up. All Japan Wrestling the King's Road. And uh, great talking to you as usual. Keep up the great work. Proud of you. And Chris, keep up the great work, boy. Love you.
0: Thanks, Seth. Appreciate it.
2: You too, And, uh, ten
0: to when I've been get a hangnail before March tenth. <laughs> 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 All right, take it easy. Uh, once again, you're listening to ninety eight point five WJYN, the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. We want to call call to join the discussion. The number is six one zero not not 9596 Oh my God! I almost gave up my phone number. And <laughs> on here. Oh, God. But, yeah. Uh, Carson the Commander. Oh, man. I can't believe I just put that in existence. Well, <laughs> yeah. Right here, it's me, uh, Chris Thomas, and uh, Jamal Thomas. Yeah.
1: No, I, you you realize you put that out in the air, right? Yes. Okay. Um, I I I kind of hope it happens now. Um, it's all your fault, one hundred percent. Carson,
0: Commander Carson. Let's do. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Commander Carson, whose teams go six and ten, but two and zero against the Eagles every year.
0: (laughs) And you know what? That two and zero is just enough for us to not make the playoffs.
1: (laughs) Every, I love how this is a joke to you, but you just cursed our team for the next ten years to be beaten on by Carson (laughs) Wentz. in a jersey almost as ugly as his beard.
0: Okay, here's the thing. Hear me out. Is it kind of bad that I'm – is it kind of bad saying that, okay, it wouldn't – as long as Howie's here, he kind of deserves it?
1: No, because even as Eagle fans, we're petty against ourselves, and if it's us punishing ourselves somehow, if, like, in a sick way, we're okay
0: with it. No, but here's – Like,
1: T.O.B. on the Cowboys. Like, no one wanted it, but it was like, this is our fault. We accept it.
0: Right, here's the thing, though. But we all, here's the thing. We all sold our souls for that Super Bowl. So, 100%. so anything that comes after the fact, I'm like, listen, I'm fine with anything that comes after the fact because I just want my Super Bowl in my lifetime. And you know what? That's going to be the I don't care what happens because Carson's going to be in Washington.
1: Oh my gosh. That this is the the consequences. We sold Carson Wentz's soul to win the Super Bowl. Yes. Then we erected a statue of Nick Foles blasphemously. This is this is crazy.
0: Yeah, this is this sacrilegious. Is how dare we? This is
1: how dare we? And now Carson Wentz is about to be Car- Commander Carson, which I'm never gonna get tired of saying that. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> oh no, I can see this right now. And now we go to the fourth quarter for Joe Buck's gonna be America's game of the week. Eagles at the link hosting Washington. And first play of the fourth quarter tie game. Third and eight. Here's Carson. Play action fake. Goes for Terry McLaurin, downfield, touchdown. (laughs) Carson, the commander,
1: has been in command all day, his fourth touchdown pass. He is torching this Eagles defense, Troy. (laughs) Yeah, I don't feel like that. (laughs) (laughs) So after today, we're just going to bury that entire notion that the Washington Redskins should take the camp. Hey, hey, it's Washington commanders
0: now. It's commanders. Oh, I'm sorry, the Commanders. I'm sorry. How sorry. dare you? Sorry. Listen, I'm sorry. Listen, Commander Carson will have will, will strip your rank right here, mister.
1: Why does he sound like he's part of Buzz Lightyear's squadron?
0: <laughs> Commander Carson.
1: Commander Carson. He sounds like he's a higher up. He,
0: listen. He probably is. I, oh, gosh.
1: Oh, gosh. Did we even finish the quarterback carousel? So?
0: Oh, yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> Okay. We talked about um, Wilson. We talked about Rodgers. We talked about Watson. We talked about Carson. And pretty much how we are trying. T- WrestleMania
1: season.
0: Uh, no, no, we haven't talked about the NBA yet, actually.
1: Oh yeah, you're right.
0: Yeah. Okay. So All Star Weekend, probably one of the worst All Star weekends. Terrible. All yeah. right,
1: and that concludes our All Star Weekend <laughs> section So the rest
0: of the NBA. Here's my it's thing up. about. All right, real quick though, about like, oh man, the All the, the Slam Dunk Contest is boring. now here are two things about it. Number one, every single dunk you could possibly think of without the without the usage of props have already been done. So there's really no way more that you can get more creative with the All Star. And number two, the one thing that you have to do, because the biggest thing, like growing up in terms of watching the All Star game, is that they, they were young talents, but like they were young talents that we knew. So, like, if. if if you were in a position which you got a guy like a Ja Morant or like a healthy Zion Williamson, uh, a Miles Bridges, and like um, who's another young, um, talented dunker? Are
1: you saying guys that will be in the game in, in, in years to come? Yes. Uh, Darius, you know, Evan Mobley, Anthony yeah. Edwards.
0: Like- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Anthony Edwards. Here, if those were your guys, if it was Ja, Anthony Edwards, uh, a healthy Zion Williamson, and let's just say, like, let's just say, for some giggles, uh, Lamella Ball. If that was your all-star, if that was your slam, it would be a lot more appealing. Because the thing is, is that, like, a guy like Obi Toppin, who cares? The guy's going to be a bench piece. So, like, I feel like they should do more of a consistent effort in terms of, like, getting younger, younger, more noticeable talent that the like NBA and casual fans know for years to come yeah. as opposed to just finding the bottom of the barrel, guys, that you're have been churning out for the last week. But here's
1: the but here's the truest thing about how the duck contests or even, like, sort of volunteering things randomly for the league that felt like things that all the stars did when we were kids just doesn't appeal to these guys anymore. These guys would rather play in a 2K tournament for money than to do the duck contest. And that sounds like I'm, like, close to 30 millennial bashing, but, like, it's kind of the truth. And so I think that's why you don't see guys like Anthony Edwards or or guys like Job being, like, super gung-ho and ready to be the number one guy. Like, I'm going to stand. It's why LeBron... And once again, all of these guys truly are just following the mold. And we know whose mold it is. We talked about it last week on the show when we were talking about the Ben Simmons thing. It's LeBron's mold. And whether he's carried it the most honorable way, like, you never felt like LeBron was like, felt like he was too good to do this thing. Like he just was like, never did it. But like, how many years would it have been awesome for the best guy in the league, LeBron Stinking James, to, you know, have decided, hey, I'm going to kill it in a dunk contest. You know, like, like, and, 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 and this is not to bash because truthfully, you know, I think one thing that was cool about it is like, it was always guys between that second to fourth year kind of barrier, you know what I mean? Like guys who were like, Oh, this guy might be a star soon, but he's got that bounce. So, um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that's what you like. You don't like a young Iggy, a young T-Mac, a young Kobe, a young Stevie, uh, um, 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 a young VC, like all these guys before they were bona fide stars. And then obviously once they were stars, they decided they didn't really want to, you know, do the contest anymore, which I understand. You might just not feel like Duncan. Like, no, you don't owe the obligation, but I just think it's a cool, it used to feel like a cool right of passage where you had a young Dwight Howard, young Josh Smith, like, just
0: yeah. were young and th- Huh? Blake I'm Griffin.
1: Blake, uh, yes, a young Blake. It felt like it was like, like, when Zion kind of was like, eh, and didn't really show any expression, it, we were all kind of like, collectively, like, 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 ah. Like, nobody was really heard about it, but it's like, dude, like, if you were, if anybody's going to revive Saturday night, like, that's why the Aaron Gordon-Jack Levine dunk contest was so awesome because it was just two young dudes who understood what it meant to try and put on the show, and they did that. And that was it. Yeah. It really was no more or no less than that. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and I feel so, like that's overall when you look at the league. It's like, rightfully so. You got to look out for you and yours. But it's like nowadays is that like like back then, it's like we grew up um, like guys like Kobe Bryant who was like, yeah, even if I'm even if I'm hurt, I'm still going to go out there cuz I owe it to the fans to go out there and you know, give 100%, give these guys a show. It's no like money. now it's like you're seeing, you know, people like players who are like, "All right, listen. Uh I'll do this if I have to, but it's like if I don't if I don't need to do this, I'm not going to. It's like I'm not going to let I'm not going to do this because it might hurt my bottom line. Like I feel like a lot of guys are are more like are more protective over their brand now as opposed to, you know, just like Zach Levine and like, like Aaron Gordon, like, you know, what they did is like, just try to put on a show for the fans.
1: Yeah. And I think, and it's funny because we were just talking about the NIL. when We were talking about the meme where it was like, would you stop watching football for $20 million? And it's like, with the way these guys can from their social media's now to the Fall is life pages and to overtime and um you know slam magazine and all of these publications where they can get their shine on right yeah these guys don't look at an opportunity like All-Star Saturday night as how we did as a kid like i want you to think about this that like just to give a a, a thought of growth or aging or how much we've gotten older when we were kids the way you found out about a player was through All-Star weekend like, is yeah. that making any sense? Like, obviously, you knew the guys on your team, and you knew guys if you looked up things, and you know, went to NBA.com. But like, you knew Dwight Howard and what he liked, whatever, from stupid little interviews that were on the NBA All Star Saturday Night. You learned who certain guys were, who their personalities were from that. That was viewed as the big stage, and now it's not anymore because you know a guy because he may have a hundred thousand TikTok followers, or he might have half a million on Instagram before he even gets to the league or before he started mm-hmm. so now it's so much dude even in 2k stories they're putting it into now having fans and having followers and social media presence it's all a part of it is because even as kids they understand that's going to be part of the game here an athlete. Mm-hmm. so kids the kids nowadays from this generation don't view it the same way as we would have like Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon are each, so they looked at the dunk contest different than Zion and John Morant.
0: Mm-hmm. That's why right. I gotta keep reminding myself that I'm pretty much older than like half the league. They're like it's so weird to think about it like that now.
1: Yeah, you're in your prime, the middle of your prime, like not even the beginning of
3: it. Yeah, if you want to think it like that here.
0: Yeah. Giannis is younger than us. Oh, God. Yeah, 98.5 WJYN, Running Back Sports.
3: My boy, my boy. You know who it is. What's goody?
0: Yeah, what's good, Mark? Chilling. How you? Oh, man, we're good. Um, man. We, 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 just, we listen, just.
3: listen, you already know why I'm calling number one. I definitely want to say miss the show, miss my squad out there. Yeah, you know I mean, holding it down. But let's get straight to business. You know why I'm calling. I've been fighting for a whole year. You know I'm the only one. The only one who out here been Rod and said, oh, as soon as Ben Simmons, as soon as James Harden became available, I said goodbye, Ben Simmons. <laughs> Everyone looked at me like I was crazy. Everyone looked at me like, oh, my God, potential, potential. Ben's going to grow. He's going to get a shot. I said, get him out of here. We got a top, top five player available, and James Harden fills every hole that we need, and then it happened. It finally happened. It took for y'all for Ben to quit on y'all for y'all to finally come to the dark side. Well, welcome to the dark side. The new season starts on Friday. Get ready to enjoy the ride. It's about to be a real fun ride. You know, everyone was excited. Maxie had a great 28 and 10 assists game. Well, Harden's going to give you that on an off night. And now he's on team with the most skilled big man of all time, Joel Embiid. By the way, I didn't even realize I was just spitting the promo, but what's going on, fellas?
0: <laughs> uh, is there anything more you need to get off your chest? It kind of feels like you've been holding this in for like a long time. So,
3: I mean, it, was, it wasn't really that long, but it's kind of like I told you so, but watch the ride. It's going to be a fun ride. I want all the boomers, you know, who care so much about defense and fat people to just relax and just enjoy the ride. It's going to be great. It's going to be the most ball handling you've seen since Allen Iverson. Um, it's going to be a fun time, it's going to be a fun ride uh, Matisse Stiebel, believe it or not he's going to start making some shots because he's going to have a little bit more space I'm not saying he's going to be uh, 35% but he'll make a couple, he's not going to go 0 for 6 now I, ho- I hope he so I-, I hope he doesn't, the last thing I want to do is put first-time court match in the game but dang, if we got to, I guess we got to and honestly oh, one more thing, one more thing since I'm going in this I think this is going to be a new, improved James Harden. And let me tell you why. See, his time in Houston, he's always had someone who's been a nice co-star, you know. Then, you know, they were always in win-now mode. Then he goes over to Brooklyn. Still win-now mode. You're with people who are have the same ability and game style as you. Now you come to Philly, you can be a true leader, a true veteran with young guys that you can help groom. You can pass down that basketball knowledge to guys of the likes of Tyrese Maxey. Pass down that knowledge to a guy like Matisse Thybulle. Definitely work on that jumper, for heaven's sake. Um, but, man, we kept our two most important pieces then people are crying because Seth Curry has 17 points his first game for Brooklyn. Then people are crying because they want Andre Drummond, who's a bona fide bum, who makes two million a year, that Embiid has been put in a blender his entire career. Now everyone's just scared. And then all of a sudden, Ben Simmons is a great player, and they fear him. Like, we don't know his weaknesses. Like, like now they're not going to play four on five like we've been doing for six years. But we lost that deal. I'm just so confused. And then I heard the news that we got Willie Colley-Stein, which is going to be absolutely great because James Harden's going to throw pick-and-roll lobs off the bench all day because we know Embiid's not going up and getting news. I think we're in a really good spot. I've never been this confident in my life as a Sixers fan.
0: Go, go ahead, Jamal. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm
1: just sitting here agreeing with this yo promo. That's all. Awesome. This is incredible. I'm just gonna
3: oh, i gonna I, I got you. I got you. And I person, heard that. I've been on the um, same
1: wave. I've been on this get Ben Simmons out of here wave since the man got to the city. He's soft. S A W F T soft. He's been soft. And now, guess what? We don't have to deal with that, Sherman. Now we got a grizzled veteran who's hungry though he's been through the ringer, he's had some failures, he now has a guy who he feels like is on his level, in his prime. Someone who's younger, maybe even a better player than him. Someone he has more respect for. Someone he would actually be willing to defer to. And someone who doesn't step on his toes offensively. The perfect combination. The modern day version of a Shaq and Kobe. A dominant big man who can shoot 85 for the line, 35 for three and can hit step back, three is at 30 feet. And a perimeter scoring machine who gets to the line at will, who now with motivation will actually go drive to the basket please James drops to the basket and get his step back threes it will as well with a bunch of shooters and drivers and young guys who are going to buy into the system all we have to do is worry about Glen Rivers best of the day. that's it
3: and to be honest, you know, speaking of Glenn Rivers, he's already been overrided by Coach Harden. I've seen Coach Harden get in the maxing gear for one second. Next thing you know, Max, he goes on a tear, scoring about 12 points in that, in that, quarter, in that second quarter yep. against the Milwaukee Bucks last week. He sees George Niang trying to dribble through the lane. What the heck is he thinking? And he says, no, you're here on this team to jack threes. George Niang jacks 10 threes, makes 5 out of 10. Coach Harden has already made a wonderful impact on this team. Even if Coach Harden doesn't step foot on the floor, he's already a better coach than Glenn Rivers. Nah, I'm just playing. I'm playing on that. But Glenn Rivers, he definitely is on the hot seat now because you got everything you need. You have everything you need. And the amount of stars that you have accumulated as your time being an NBA head coach, and you only have one ring,
2: I know he's up
3: there on the top 10 win list and everything, but now it's time to produce. You got the arguably the best one-on-one players on the planet, arguably, and there's nothing that you do. You can no longer double-team John beat. You double-team John beat, you're in trouble. You double-team James Harden, you're in trouble. There's so many things that's going to happen with this team. I'm so excited, and I know first thing people say is like, oh, my gosh, we lost a three-point shooter in Steph. Check the stats. James Harden's fourth all-time. Did you forget that? Is Seth Curry even close? Y'all crying about Seth Curry like his name is Stephen. Like, what are do y'all doing? Like? Are y'all crying like his over His name that? is Wardell at all. <laughs> right. The only, 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 thing, only thing that reason he looks like a Curry is because he looks like his father. Other than that, he's not even in the same atmosphere. I appreciate the work that he did here for this city, though. He's a great guy, for sure. But people really thinking that we lost his trade is an absolute joke, and I just feel like they're not really paying attention like that, and they're once again getting caught in that Ben Simmons potential type thing. It's like, when are we going to, like, kind of – Fall back off a potential and kind of recognize that a guy is who he is. Well,
1: that's the. I, I think that's the biggest thing is like, Philadelphians don't like but And I think through all the four major sports, we have a really long history of this of guys either not wanting to be here and then realizing their potential somewhere else, or us putting someone out early and then them realizing their potential somewhere else. Uh, I.e., example, Chris Carter. You know, a guy who who had though he had off the field issues was released and cut here and then went on to be a Hall of Famer in Minnesota. So, like, mm-hmm. seeing a million and one cases like that, I think with Ben Simmons, everybody's kind of, like, hesitant to give it up. It's like, you know, like, you're you're agreeing to the exchange. You're almost holding on to say, like, better not go be good without me. And I think that's where people are weary because, you know, Harden is 33. He has had an issue the last couple of years of either staying in shape or avoiding little knickknack injuries. entries. As we know, hamstrings can, can be a killer. So, um, I think that's people's biggest hesitation but if you just look on paper player for player there's a reason that James Harden was on that stage with those top 75 people and Ben Ben Simmons was somewhere in the stands like don't forget this is a top 75 guy of all time we're talking about here so like yes the the type of talent that we're getting is something that like you know is Allen. him and seeing him and Allen in that picture together it's like wow these two dudes are the same level of killer and you could argue Harden is a whole different level, being 6'7", with his wingspan, his ability as an outside shooter, his ability as a playmaker, facilitator. I think, uh, like you were saying earlier, Mark, like he covers every offensive box that you that we've been forced to sit through the last 10 years, whether it's MCWs, the Tony Rotans, Iggy not being able to be a, a true number one option, Drew Holiday not knowing who he was yet. Like, just terrible iteration after terrible iteration of some sort of facilitator slash wing scorer slash slasher
3: slash guy who can get others involved. And Harden is everything wrapped in one. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be amazing. And one thing that people want to start to recognize is how incredible the Sixers are on defense because James Harden, even though he's not the best defender anymore, when he started in the league, he was definitely a defender. You know, coming off the bench in OKC, he had to play that role as defender to get more time. I get it, and then he ultimately turned into the James Harden that we know and love in Houston. When he gets back on this team in Philadelphia, I'm not saying Tobias Harris is going to lock somebody up, but he he plays pretty good defense. Joel Embiid, we already know what he provides on defense. Uh, Matisse Steibel, that's the only reason he's on the court, because it ain't to make threes. Um, I mean, what more do we need? I mean, Maxie's very speedy. I think the Sixers are in an excellent, excellent, excellent condition. I think and like I said, in our lifetime, I don't think we've ever had a chance like this. Let's be real. We were all fans in 2001. We were we were young. We were little guys. We knew we didn't have a chance. It was a great Cinderella, work hard, blue-collar, underdog story. But you are out of your mind if you thought that the Philadelphia 76ers in 2001 had a chance against the undefeated at the time. 15, like, they didn't lose a game throughout the playoffs at that time. Lakers, and then we, we take game one. People in Philadelphia act like we won that NBA final because we won game one, and we got smacked the rest of the way. I'm not going to relive on the past too much, but here at the end of the day, this is the best opportunity that we could have as Sixers fans, and I need everybody to buckle up and enjoy it because it's about to be a fun ride.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, growing up, my dad was a kid when, Moses Malone was traded here to the Sixers back in like during like during the 80 during the 80s and when they won the 83 championship I feel like this is our Moses Malone. This mm-hmm. is that trade that is going to get us over the top um, For either get rich or die trying and I'm just glad Good. that Yeah, so we got him. We got harder. The only thing the only hold up now is what is Doc Rivers going to do in the playoffs? That's it you have you got I your agree. two-man punch You got your third option in Tobias Harris. You got an emerging star in Tyrese Maxey, who's your instant offense. You got your perimeter guy that can go around, you know, chase probably the the best perimeter score for like 25 minutes in like uh, Matisse Stiebel. You now got a competent big man who can come up, like Willie Cauley-Stein, who Harden is not only going to get involved, but he's also a pretty good rim protector in Cauley-Stein. And uh, the only thing is... And he's
3: still young, too. Willie Cauley-Stein's still young.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's like... You're going to be going up against, you know, the Miamis and Milwaukees, Brooklyn eventually if they're able to, you know, get their stuff together. But, yeah, this is their opportunity. The East is going to be tough to get out to, but this is the best-case scenario in terms of getting out. And all the people was like, oh, man, we gave up too much. I'm like, so you want Embiid to suffer with Tobias Harris being the second leadoff score?
3: Yeah, and then honestly, speaking of Tobias Harris, now anything we get from Tobias Harris is going to be a bonus because before – We looked at Tobias Harris as our second guy. We had to because Ben was useless on offense. We looked at Tobias as our second guy. Then we also look at his contract, and then we get upset. Like, oh, my God, he's getting $36 million a year. He's getting paid more than Embiid, and he's he's just so inconsistent. Now that you have a guy like James Harden, Tobias Harris is going to benefit almost more than any player on the team. Now, like, Tobias, even though he's hovering around 18 to 20 points per game, He's going to sneakily give you, like, 27 on the com. Next thing you know, we're going to have early load management games because we're up big in the third, and next thing you know, no one's playing in the fourth. Yeah, so
0: it's like Embiid's 30, Harden's 25, and, like, tennis is getting everybody involved. That Tobias Harris 20 is going to look a lot better now in in the flow of the offense.
3: Exactly. And then even even Tyrese Maxey, little 15 to 20 as well, everything is going to be beneficial. And, of course, like, here and there you'll have – Niang go off for five threes here and there. You'll have miles go off for three to five threes. Shake Milton, he'll go. I think. I think now. I heard you guys talking earlier. You're thinking that we need another guard. If that places rotations right, we really won't need another guard. And the reason I say that is because we've played off season without one. So if James Harden rest for five to six minutes, I think we'll be okay. Yeah. But yeah, fellas. That's. That's all I got for you. Proud of y'all. Keep it up. I'm going to be back soon, as soon as my schedule frees up. But, you know, most importantly, John Bede is the most skilled big man of all time. Peace.
0: Yeah. See you, man.
3: Yes. 100.
0: Yeah. Just for the record, that's, you know, f- former co host Mark Thompson for the show. Like I said, he's taking care of things in life right now, but he'll be back soon. Heard that. Yeah. What? Is it Friday yet, man? What
1: do you say?
0: Is it Friday yet?
1: Uh No, it is not Friday yet. Cause it is only Tuesday. We still have three more days until we get to see number one on the floor. Okay, so we got, we got we got we got three
0: days and three hours. So yep. we got set particularly doing the math in my head, we have seventy five hours before we see the era of Embiid and Harden.
1: And I think that's unique. That also. I wanted to be outraged by this but I understood why he wasn't on there but like knowing that MV should be on the NBA 75 but understanding why he isn't really sucks.
0: Yeah. Not yet.
1: Like everybody else who has a claim like I understand their issues and you can compare resumes and stuff but like I know that's one of the best 75 people I've ever seen play basketball. Yeah.
0: No more when 25 years and they do NBA 100 MBT's only gonna clear that list.
1: Oh yeah. Oof, you know he is. Yeah. Man, we're gonna be old when that comes out.
0: Yeah, no, we're oh god, we're gonna be on our fifties. <sighs> yeah.
1: So many people will have played by that point.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, but well speaking of that seventy five list, um so on social media today on my Facebook, I've I made a bold proclamation saying that Tony Parker uh, has more of a claim of being on the top 75 list over than Damian Willard. Okay. Yeah. So honestly, I feel like when it comes to that list, I feel like the two most out of place guys that I particularly have watched is probably Damian Lillard and Anthony Davis. For, um, solely because, listen, AD is great, but how I don't get how you can have a list with Anthony Davis, but – you don't have room for Dwight Howard to not be on there. That doesn't make any sense to me. You're talking about three-time defensive uh, MVP, multiple-time All-Star, uh, multiple-time first-team All-Defender, first-time All-NBA. And you saw with a team that was literally um, designed for Dwight Howard's strengths, you literally saw go to the NBA Finals. So I'm just no, still... <sighs> I,
1: I Okay, I do agree with you that Dwight should be on there. I don't necessarily think AD is the one to attack to come off. That is going to sound mean because I think AD, the reason that I would agree that AD is on in the way Howard should be on too is because if you go one-on-one with them, I think the only difference you have is AD's offensive. AD's offensive contribution to his team is what makes him a better player to me than Dwight Howard. Whereas, like, let's be honest, if you're down 15 – in the fourth quarter, you can't just keep beating Dwight Howard possession after possession to get back in the game. It's not a thing.
0: No, but Dwight Howard could be your anchor in getting defensive stops to spark a run. Yeah.
1: But so could so could Anthony Davis. That's why I say, like, if you want to tout, you know, Dwight's um, defensive, you know, acumen, like you didn't have to talk about ADs. And then I think when you get down to an offense, there's, uh, Dwight Howard can't see AD as far as what he can do for a team offense. So I think that two-way ability... It's the difference between Jokic and Embiid. It's like, yeah, Jokic is this great passer and probably a more natural jump shooter, which, I mean, I I could argue against that. And, you know, all of these other things, but defensively, he's light years ahead of what Jokic is, so that's why he will always be the best big man in the league. So I think that same sentiment still speaks here with the AD Dwight. Like, if you're comparing AD Dwight... Now, if you want to say, like, Dwight Howard should be on instead of Dolph Shays, like, hey, you can argue with, like, a, a boomer... Not even boomer. I guess I'd be like a uh, like prohibition
0: era, <laughs> person <laughs> about <laughs> about that. But like, so arguing with your grand, so arguing with your dad. Arguing with you exactly. But,
1: but hey, my dad's a boomer. <laughs> 1957. <laughs> but um, uh, no. So like, do you get my point? Like, you think of my my dad's not like like he wouldn't have seen Dolph Shays play basketball. There's no reference point for that. So for me, it's like guys like that. I'm sorry, I'm gonna take it the way, over Dolph Shades. But I do think AD deserves to be in. But here's my thing: if AD is it, I think Embiid is way better than AB. AD. So then my argument would be that Embiid should be in because a guy like AD is it Because then I think Embiid is
0: better than Dwight Howard yeah. ever. But His then primary. at that point, it's a slippery slope. It's like, are you just talking about natural talent or are you talking about accolades?
1: Well, see, then if you're talking about accolades, Damian Lillard, though he doesn't have a ring, he's
0: still an All NBA guy. He's still like a six-time All Star. Yeah. Like we're talking same, about. Great same as Tony Parker. Lives, Huh same as Tony Parker
1: Tony Parker has four rings But if you argue alright
0: And I a six time all star
1: But what I'm going to say and I'm going to be true for what I'm going to say If you put Damian Lillard on those first teams They probably went six rings
0: I think Here's the thing and this is one of the Biggest cases of like why I don't like pre- today's Game as I know I am gonna I sound old Today man <laughs> like I, yeah, I, You've been
1: on a roll of sounding 60 That's uh, weird
0: like, I just hate, like, the biggest thing that bothers me about any sports is just revisionist history. And the thing is, is that when I said this, it was like, oh, whoa, is, well, well if, if you had to take him in a vacuum uh, without pop system, without outtime dunking, you're telling me Tony Parker's a better player than Damian Lillard? I'm like, yes. It was like, it was like and people going to me, like, oh, wait, wonder. Okay, let me ask you a question. Um, besides three point shooting, what does Damian, three point shooting and range, what does Damian Lillard do better? Than uh, Tony Parker?
1: He's a better off the dribble. Um, He's not a better passer. You could argue they're both the same defensively. It's just Tony gives more effort. But I would argue if you put Tony in Pop's system defensively, he'd give that same effort, as evidenced by how great of defense he played in the Olympics under Pop's system. My argument is that Damian Billing, the confident and willing creator that he was, he would have given the Spurs the element that they never had, which is a perimeter guy who really give you a shot. I.e. what they had towards the end with Kawhi when they tapped into that, towards that 2014 finals, and then after the post-Duncan era, what they tapped into before Kawhi left. That's what you would have seen Pop do. I think the good thing about Pop is people forget is like, Pop, yes, it's all about system, but he has to have talent. He still had prime Tim Duncan. He still had End of the
0: prime, David Robinson. Yeah. He still had prime Manu. He still had prime Tony. These are still, skilled guys. Yeah, and now that's also another in the right
1: position is his seat. I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh no, but that's also the thing that bothers me is that like, how can you say that the Spurs are a dynasty? But meanwhile, like Tim Duncan and like, I don't really count David Robinson because. He was on his way out by the time the Spurs was really getting the started in regards to them being in the NBA finals as much as they were and like yeah, getting their he's only,
1: he's only there for two of those rings. The other three he's
0: not there. Yeah, one. so it's like during that entire like fifteen year stretch, you're only told me that Greg Popovich only had one top seventy five player of all time. If anything to me, that's just great coaching then. But that that's not the case for me, because the 07 finals, Tony Parker was the best player on the Spurs, not Tim Duncan. I think people... No, but I think,
1: okay, I think, all right, so here's here's where I, if I can give you, because I think when we have these list conversations, it's always nice to kind of, like, see what a number regard is, so if we're doing this list, right, and I'm just thinking of guys who made it, who didn't make it, Parker's probably in that 86 to 88 range of, like, I'm not sure who these 12 guys who are better than him, but I think if we started the name guys that we could take over him, or 12 guys that we thought were better than him, you know what I'm saying, like we would get to the nitty-gritty. You feel, you feel where I'm coming at from that one? Yeah, sure. Like, so I don't think he's as close to the... I think he's on that honorable, honorable mention list. Like, but I don't think he's, like, number 77 and you could argue he's 75. When he's number 79, it's like, ah, I could argue the four guys are part of him. Yeah. I think Tony Parker was a great player and he's somewhere in that 100. Same thing with Manu. But, like, Tim Duncan is no doubt one of the top 20 players of all time. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And, like...
0: Well, well, Tim's the anchor for that. Well, Tim's the anchor for Poshman's system. That's why.
1: Exactly. So, he's the orbit that – he's the floor raiser. He's the A-Rod in that situation. He's the Jordan. Excuse me. Like, I'm not to say Pippen is not a great player on his own. But Pippen playing with Jordan so long raised his ceiling. Mm -hmm. It raised who he was. It raised his aura. It's the Draymond and and, and Clay. Like, Draymond and Clay would probably be good to great NBA players. But having a guy like Steph, his orbit who raises their ceiling – has prompted propped them up that's why clay didn't make the 75 people were mad about it but it's the truth now the dwight thing is i feel like like you said dwight's orbit was the centerpiece for a team like somebody who like i tell you right now somebody who's gonna get in for the next 25 easily is Luca. you're gonna you can see it he's one pencil him in out of the guys that his next 25 years that possibly be on 100 you might as well pencil get and bargain it because why all his teams are gonna revolve around him unless one day they get somebody to really match up with him that matches his skill set. And to be honest, the best thing that matches his skill set is somebody like Forzing, somebody who can play off of him, take lobs, shoot the ball from range, whatever the case may be. And now he's gone, huh?
0: And now he's gone.
1: Well, that's the thing, Luke KP KP wound up not being that guy because yeah. of the fact that he was so injury prone and his body wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. His, his body was not stand up, and he wasn't the same guy after the injuries in New York. But yeah. I think if you were to get him a, a, a like a Miles Turner, obviously, you know Indiana clearly doubled down on Miles Turner by getting rid of Spohnus. But it, like that's the perfect compliment as a starting big man, somebody who can patrol the paint, rim run, things like that. But I digress. We're not talking about how to improve the maps. But I, I, I but I'm just saying, as far as guys who pass the eye test, and I think. As much as I agree with you that Tony, in within his system, and even if you look at him as an international player, it affirms it. And even him as a pro player, as a kid, he was always a winning player. He was always a player who understood how to make plays to win for a team. And I agree with you, I think. And it was the same sentiment Clay had. People felt like he was salty, but I understand what Clay was saying. I've done everything proper to make sure my teams won. To make sure that my teams were regarded as dynastic. And I feel like I'm not being rewarded for it because there are times that I could have been selfish and put up more points or or cause myself to have more attention in an accolade fashion. So, I, I yeah, no, one hundred percent.
0: Yeah, uh, I just feel like when it comes to because I feel like the biggest thing that comes out of like narratives now when we talk about you know football, basketball nowadays as opposed to like what we was growing up to is like uh players are a lot more athletic, they're a lot more skilled than, you know, than our counterparts. But it's like when you watch that system, it's like okay, the biggest thing about Tony Parker is that to me, he's better in the half court. The guy knows how to work without the ball. He is absolutely in my opinion better than Damian Lillard when it comes to fifteen feet and in. In my opinion, like he's I think he's a lot better I think he's better in transition as well. So I feel like because Tony Parker was just, uh, just uh, pretty much glorified for most of his career as you know, like like the second guy next to Tim Duncan. I feel like his light wasn't as cast, you know, just as brightly as opposed to like what we're seeing from like, well, what we used to saw from Damian Lillard, like like you know, like the past several years.
1: No, I 100% agree with you. I think um. I just think – I'm going to be honest also. you got to think, right? And obviously revisionist history is something we talk about a lot when trying to use sports. And that's why someone like Bill Simmons, I do respect his opinions because I think he tries to fight for the early days of the game and for people from past eras to get the respect when we have these conversations and when we evaluate how these newer guys slot into the order of the best players. And I think this top 75 list is another example. And I think the Dame Lillard, Tony Parker – like dynamic in and of itself is so interesting because Dane has so many iconic moments that are unique to him. Like when you think of those first championships, and even though Tony has uh, finals MVP and has all stars and you know, and dated even Longoria and has been in pop culture, um, you still think of Dame as somebody who is so much larger than the game. His rap persona, just his 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 low nonsense Oakland attitude, his just his sturdiness, even his even even his loyalty to Portland as a franchise, like it's all these things that make him feel like like it feels like if there was a player vote and people would either vote for Tony Parker or Dame, look, I think a lot of guys would vote for Dame. And I think even though you're as a fan and I'm sure a lot of Hoopers too, like true basketball heads junkies would be like, no, Tony Parker's the guy I won for a championship. If you ask a lot of Hoopers, you ask a lot of Hoop fans, you ask a lot of people, they're probably going to take Dame just because of how he carries himself, you know, yeah. and, and 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 the and the, and the weight of having a franchise. And I know that's not fair because Tony got to San Antonio first. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, Tim got to San Antonio first, and then Tony comes later and being a kid. And, you know, he never got to be the face of that franchise. And then Kawhi was the face the last couple years that Tony was there anyway, and then they wound up trading him to Charlotte. So, you know, now we've reached this point where I think game is just more being looked at as you've been the face of your team for much longer. You have been the face of your franchise, period. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where Tony's contribution to not only the Spurs but the league at large will be lost in time. And I, I think that is sad. And that is a good name that you brought him. And I, I mean, that's a name I'm glad that you brought up. Yeah. Because I think that Spurs dynasty in and of itself Duncan, even as great as he is in being in 75. Will his spot of how great he was, his prime, will be lost in history, truly.
0: I'm probably, I don't know. But, but yeah, like, but it's like also like, like you said, like in terms of like pure basketball standpoint, when it comes to like the Dwight Anthony Davis, you can see that, but also by that also, by that, the career is like. How can you leave a guy like Paul Gasol out? Uh, a guy like um, just from a pure basketball standpoint, how can you leave a guy like Tracy McGrady out as well? That, uh, the T Mac one was the wildest one to me, to be honest. Yeah, because the one I I'm in I was in a group chat and I'm just like, the T Mac's best season is. That is last season during the Magic, I believe he averaged thirty-two points a game, like six six rebounds and like five assists. And I feel like everybody's talking about oh this guy couldn't get out of the first round, and then I just think to myself I'm just like, if I'm like the disrespect, I'm just like people really forgot like how how amazing Tracy McGrady was. Like every single year, it was him, Allen Iverson, and Kobe Bryant battling for that scoring title. And like and it's like he does have like a bunch of iconic moments granted he never got out of the first round until he really just became like a permanent bench warmer on, on those Spurs teams in the 2010s but if we're just talking like you know pure skill talent uh, like how is team Act like not on that top 75 we're just talking about pure uh, basketball skills and just hoopers
1: yeah I think you're 100% right. I think it's just shown how, at the end of the day, a lot of these lists are about aesthetics and are about how people make you feel in the moment. And now we're really revealing legacies over time. And we're not really taking the time to truly appreciate those who contribute to winning and those who contribute to greatness on a level that isn't always necessarily quantifiable.
0: yeah absolutely um we've still got about a few minutes left uh so to let's let's end it off by talking about the Zion Williamson situation so C.J. McCollum he got traded um you know before the trade deadline um to uh the New Orleans pelicans so now the the idea was you know their big three to be Zion Williamson uh Brandon Ingram. you know they're two young talents they're two uh, one of one of former all star, another one hopefully a future all star, oh, and their glue piece and uh, C J McCollum. However, exactly. yeah, but however, McCollum has reached out to Zion multiple times, but Zion hasn't gotten reached him back. And we
1: update today. Apparently, they have spoken since that interview on uh, Saturday. By the way, okay. I just wanted to turn it out there.
0: Okay, I can only go by what I see. <laughs>
1: Okay. Yeah. No. I just wanted to, before we went too far into the dire tribe, I wanted to let you yeah. know. Yeah. They have they have reported these
0: folks. Yeah. They're reporting that. But mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the big tick and the big thing also was that when the New Orleans Pelicans announced, that, you know, their next season ticket package, Zion Williamson wasn't named. So my thing is is that if we're going to is does that mean Zion Williamson is finally going to get traded to Possibly a better market that is ready to uh, accommodate for Zion.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> uh, all right,
0: go ahead. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, but I feel like... Yeah, but I feel like when it comes to... Uh, the situation in New Orleans. New Orleans is trying to do the best they can. New Orleans as is, is is and never is going to be, you know, a free agent destination when it comes to the uh, NBA. So what they have to do is pretty much do the grassroot uh, option is that they, they have to draft their stars and develop them and pay them enough to hope that they stay. But the fact that Zion Williamson really hasn't given them a chance to, like, really – Uh, For the Pelicans to properly build around him. I I feel like that's a little uh, A a little a little disrespectful on Zion's part
1: Well, yeah, no 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 doubt and I think um, Once again, you know not to harp on LeBron or not to you know lark back to his decisions, but like player empowerment has gotten to the point where now players don't even feel obligated anymore To go past their rookie contract these guys are pretty much telling teams they want out after a year or two. So it's crazy now. But let's be honest. Zion never wanted to go to New Orleans. And, I'll, and I think a lot of players don't want to go to New Orleans. You know, so that's a big thing that a lot of people have to deal with, especially small market teams like Cleveland and like other places and Indiana. And the sad part is New Orleans almost didn't even have a team for 20 years after losing the Jazz to Utah. And then, you know, you had that experimental season with the OKC, and the fans really showed a lot of love. And, you know, a lot of those guys talk about, like, that year in New Orleans being one of the better years that they've had as far as fan support. So, you know, when you take all of those type of things into account and when you really, you know, kind of look at it, it, the writing's been on the wall for a little bit. I think if David Griffin's smart here, he tries to get out in front of this. You already got CJ. Maybe approach some teams and see, like, hey, what pieces can I get for Zion Williamson? Mm-hmm. I think that's the best sense of action. If you can get a three, a three, a three, a three, a three, a three cents on the dollar sort of like maybe a first round pick and two young players, you're not in a terrible position with Ingram with McCollum. You could compete next year, yeah, easily.
0: Yeah, and honestly, I feel like the biggest sucker that they could possibly finesse <laughs> is probably New York because. Ooh. Yeah, because think about it. After that season that they had, New York fans were riding high, and now the fact that, you know, they're back in mediocrity again, they need something to sell fans for next year. And it ain't Julius Randle. So what they could possibly do then at that point is that, okay, we'll give you Zion. uh, Just give us, you know, a few first-round picks. You know, give us, like, you know, I'm trying to figure out, like, what exactly like – I what well, you, the
1: money we need to match, so
0: maybe
1: you throw Steven
0: at, not Steven at, you throw Valentinus into it. Yeah. With Zion for, like, Randall and quickly or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and then use those draft picks. <laughs> and there you go. You, you start over once again from scratch, which kind of sucks because you already had to start. Your, your plan from starting over from scratch was Zion Williamson after you got rid of Anthony Davis, and now you have to get rid of Zion to start all over again. Exactly, it's it's like one of the worst
1: situations in the
0: league when you really think about it. Yeah, and honestly, it's probably yeah, gonna be it's probably gonna to yeah, it's probably gonna be coming something up when it comes to the CBA about like these contracts, especially after the Ben Simmons and Al DeSantay Williamson situation. There's definitely yeah. gonna be, you know, yeah, maybe we need to possibly take away a little bit of this power from the players.
1: And don't get me wrong, I'm all about player empowerment, especially in the league. Let's- Less beyond is 85 to 90% predominantly black. But at the same time, it's like now it's kind of getting ridiculous. For like, you're not even having the fun or continuity. Of the league teams don't even get to grow together.
0: Exactly. In the words of DeMarcus Cousin, it's getting ridiculous. Once again, this is Christopher Thomas. This is Jabal Thomas. You'll be listening to the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture, every Tuesday from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Until next time, we will see you next week.